right, Inappropriate Earl is back. Currently number 14 on the iTunes comedy charts. And once again, I didn't hack into iTunes, you fools. How about being happy for someone? Hard work. Releasing an episode every week. Getting celebrities on my couch. Or at least trying. While you guys interview your unfunny friends from Orange County. And don't put it together. That's not going to get you in the top 500, you fools. All right, now that I got that out of the way. This guest I have on my couch was on my couch last week, but we spoke off air for about three hours. <laughs> and frankly, he looked at me and said, hey, I think it's time to do the podcast. And I said, I'm tired, bro. <laughs> you know, there's not many people I like in this business. It's a lot of palmers, liars, cheaters, and bullshitters. <clears throat> And that's just behind the scenes. This man is none of those things. He's a great comic. He's a great dude. He's an author. He's actually a husband who doesn't cheat on his wife. So I might lose some of you on that one. You fools. Give it up for Josh Wolf. What's going on, man? It's a I, good intro. It is a good intro. I'm telling you, you should write for the WWE. How you don't have a job writing promos for people in the WWE is beyond you would write the best promos well I I did uh interviewed I guess I guess I auditioned for them once because I met Shane McMahon at Sushi Roku I don't know why I'm giving you the exact restaurant right but, uh and they flew me to Stanford Connecticut and because uh, they'd see my stand up and I think I did a Kamala joke. How he has a hard time rolling around because he has no legs now. It's, it's such a cold business. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the guy literally. <laughs> I mean, I'm obsessed with Kamala just because as a kid, I thought he was actually from Africa. Oh, me too. I mean, because like now there's the internet. Yeah. Someone could, you know, hear your name. Go on Wikipedia, know everything about you before we're 20 minutes into this. But back then, someone was billed as being from Uganda. Oh. A hundred percent he was from Uganda. Yeah. There was no doubt in my mind in Mr. Fuji. Like, there was no doubt in my mind that all these people were from exactly where they said they were from. Yeah, Mr. Fuji was from the Far East. No doubt. And well, Coco Beware was part bird. Yeah, I mean... Why wouldn't he be? Why would he lie? Why would he lie? Like, my thing is, like, why would they... Because at the time, I clearly thought it was real. So if I think the wrestling is it's actual wrestling... I know it's... When people say real, like, I don't want to get into that conversation again. It's real in that people get hurt, and it's hard on your body, and it's br it's a brutal living. But it's not real in that, like, we kind of understand what the outcome's going to be. But I thought they were all telling me the truth. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I thought the junkyard dog was literally... Uh, oh, JYD. I mean, this is going to sound completely racist, but, you know, I I thought he was like, literally had the brain of a dog. Yeah, because that's what they told us. Because he would come to the ring on all far, far, farly, 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 farly. <laughs> on all fours and go... That was... Do you... Was Brutus the Barber the first one to use the sleeper? 
No, I think uh, Sergeant Slaughter was, uh, I mean, which is basically, I know we're both friends with the the mighty Joe Rogan. Yes. Uh, what they call in the MMA world a, a rear naked. Yeah. But it, it's like, like you said, I don't want to call it a fake rear naked, but it, it's basically uh, yeah. a fake rear naked. Who, but you know the person who broke out of the sleeper hold the best. Oh, Hogan. Oh, my God. Hulk Hogan, him getting out of the sleeper to me, used to pump me up. You know, they would go one, two, and then, right, and then this hand would start to shake a little bit, and then this hand would go fist, right? Oh, it's the best. And then this one right here, and then no matter how many times you punched him in the face once he stood up, it didn't matter. Well, so, you know, I, I ended up going to Stanford. And they're like, hey, we saw your act, you know, you're funny, dude, all that stuff. And it's it's very intimidating. It's like a, it's like the Last Supper. You're surrounded by all these writers, and Shane was there, and Stephanie, and they're like, well, give us an idea of a storyline you'd you'd write us. You know, you're a fan. You know what the fans want. That's what we want. I'm like, oh, you know, it's typical. Uh, you know, I'm from the '80s. You know. Good guy's losing ninety percent of the match, and then for lack of a better word, he hulks up, and uh, you know he he overcomes the bad guy's cheating, and and he wins. Everyone goes home happy, and they all look at me like with the blankest look on their faces, like, yeah, we're uh, we're not about that anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what like I, what are you guys? I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I don't really watch right now. What's the the current storyline and it was when kane and uh triple h were the main event yeah and uh they were kind of doing that rocky 2 storyline where you know rocky didn't want to fight anymore and apollo's trying to draw him out so kane was trying to draw or uh triple h was trying to draw kane out and i guess someone made up a storyline that kane had killed a girl in a drunk driving accident which right there is like, oh boy, my heart sank when they told me that. I'm like, I, you know, I've lost family members. Yeah. I'm like, oh boy, that's tough. And and then, uh, well, did they go with that? Oh, absolutely. So how Triple H's final move to get Kane to fight was he goes to a cemetery where the girl is buried, and like the last, I think it was called Monday Night Raw still uh, back then. The last image you see is a silhouette of Triple H doing a sexual. Like, like he's simulating having sex with a dead girl. And they they hit the VH. This is how old this long ago this was. Yeah. They stopped the VHS tape, and everyone looks at me, and I'm like, thanks for the plane ticket. <laughs> I couldn't come up with that in my wildest dreams. Yeah, you don't have the fuck a corpse storyline? I mean, no. Uh, I mean, I did like the Billy and Chuck gay wedding angle. Yeah. Because that, to me, was like the last great swerve of Bischoff being uh, the minister. Of what? He was the minister. This was back when uh, Billy and Chuck were getting married. Yeah. Rico, who is a, now a transit cop in Vegas. I mean, when the WWE lets you go, you got to like, he, yeah. oh, it's brutal. Like, I th- It's very similar to comedy, I think. Well, you know what's interesting? Is I was actually talking to my wife about this. Like, I... Our business, and let's just say acting and comedy, is so brutal in that when I say Judge Reinhold to you, what do you think? 
I mean, instantly fast times. Right. But you, because we're of the same age, you think of like movies that he was in and good stuff. But a lot of people, he's like a punchline. And the only thing he did to deserve being a punchline was the fact that he just, eventually in this business, people stop working you. So you go from being in Beverly Hills Cop, Fast Times, like he was, he was in legitimate A-list. And now he's a joke just because he doesn't work anymore. Can you imagine that happening to an accountant? Like you just stopped working as an accountant and all of a sudden everybody thinks you're a loser. It's so bananas. Like you, it, the, the fall from the penthouse happens so fucking quickly because as soon as nobody wants to see you anymore, you're a loser, you're a fucking joke. And it's rough. Like it must be. And the reason I brought up judge Reinhold is because I was telling my wife, it must be so mentally just brutal for those guys. Oh, brutal for those guys. I mean, it's a good thing for us. We were never really famous. No, the fall's not going to be that far for us. Fall's going to be like it's just a, a step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll even have my shoes on. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be going to an open mic in <laughs> Sherman Oaks. Do you wait? Do you when you go to mics like? Do you still go to mics like that sometimes? It's too hard for me to be honest with you, uh, because. Um, I'm not saying I'm better than open mics. I'm not, but uh, you you know you're you're spoiled by the comedy store. Yeah. It's like literally going from fucking supermodels to a mic being uh, the first girl who gets kicked off the Biggest Loser. Yeah, it's, it's just like so. I write I write a lot more here in my house than I do open mics. Wait, what's your? I'm always curious about this with other comics. What is your process like your writing pro you don't write on stage you you sit at your computer and write i do a little bit of both like um uh, like when i'm home um i try and write five topical jokes a day most of them horrible but that's how i write but you just make sure you do it yeah i mean i'll go okay uh, trump and uh, uh the guy from uh, Kim Young Un, yeah. uh, I don't know where their meeting took place, but it wasn't at a hairstylist's house. Right. That's a horrible joke. But you're it, getting it out there. It gets me to think, oh, maybe that time I was at the hairstylist and they were, you know, it, it's like the gem for me. I just have to keep writing until like, I'm like Kiss. Kiss writes, I think Todd Berry said it. I might be wrong. He said, Kiss has 40 albums. They have three memorable songs. Mm -hmm. And that's probably me. I have probably on my iPad 10 years of doing five jokes a day, thousands of jokes, uh, maybe 100 good ones. But isn't it crazy that Kiss? So if you're a rock band and say you put out an album and there are two killer tracks on that album that album is a resounding success right oh yeah say you're a comic and you do your and only two jokes on your album are funny you're the worst comic of all time oh isn't, yeah isn't that crazy that that switch like comics really got to hit because if you go to a comedy show man and you see somebody you like people will 
walk out being, yeah, but I didn't like that one joke. Nobody walks out of journey saying all they walk out saying is, did you see that little Filipino say a sing? Don't stop believing that. Like they fucking, it's such a crazy thing. I'm not saying we're held to a higher standard, but our batting average has to be way better than other people's. It has to be way better than other people's. Oh yeah. I mean, you have one bad joke. That's what they'll remember. Yeah. But on an album, like I said, you know, not every song and every Guns N' Roses album is great. Well, no. most of them are. Well, I like how they uh, they just released a thousand dollar, thirty year anniversary of Appetite, but they they left off one in a million, which uh, you know has a few words in it that may not be socially acceptable anymore. <laughs> and wait, did you say thousand dollar? Yeah, it's like I thought the Kiss uh, Gene Simmons Vault was crazy at two thousand. Because Gene's such a buffoon that, yeah, you get it. But wait, what? It's just appetite. It's just appetite, but it's like you get like all the demos and unreleased songs and uh, a thousand dollars. But they left off one in a million because that's the song where uh, if you're not really a Guns N' Roses fan, they, uh, you know, Axel says a word that rhymes with bigger and uh, Tigger. Yeah, and agates, uh, and now they have a like a three hundred pound black drummer. So I'm sure that guy was like, was like, "Hey man, can we?" Uh, I mean, he probably has no say in the band, but but, uh, but also it's not the time in history to release that song. Well, I mean, uh, I'm on a cartoon right now uh, where they say that word uh, a fair amount. Yeah, uh, but man. Cartoons can say anything. Peter, well, is, Peter Griffin has said some of the craziest fucking things. That family guy. Right. They, they say some of the craziest shit, but it's a cartoon, so nobody cares. Well, I mean, uh, well, going back to wrestling, there was that sketch where uh, uh, Vince McMahon walked by Booker T. You know, Booker T is a pretty big black dude. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to say what he said, but he's like, what's up, my... <clears throat> he said that on TV? Yeah, it was TV. And like Booker T just looks at him like, what did you just say? Wait, how long ago was that? Oh, this is a couple, probably 10 years ago. But back then you could probably say, now it'd be like, he just said the N-word. Well, buddy, think about this. Do you think, because Archie Bunker said the N-word on one of his shows. Do you remember that episode? You probably don't. I remember Cleavon Little. I'm not... There was the episode... And he was my first comedy uh, mentor. Archie Bunker? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not obviously what he was saying was horrible, but I, I loved how he said the craziest things, but was still likable. It like, was because at the end of the day, he did the right thing. Now, reluctantly sometimes, but at the end of the day, he did the right thing. But the, what people, what people attach to, I think, is that like, oh yeah, he kind of talks like me. I'm not racist because at the end of the day, I do the right thing, but I like to say whatever. What, people will kind of relate to it. This episode, he was stuck. I forget where he was stuck. And it was, you hear the backstory a little bit about why he felt it was okay to talk the way he talked. Oh, wow. It, I, I had it on my, this is how long I had had it. I had it on my TiVo for so long. And the reason I never switched over is because I was like, I'm going to lose this episode. 
Wow, I thought I was the only person who called it TiVo. It was, so. but that's how that's how old it was. It was a TiVo, and I was like, I'm not. Getting, my wife was like, we got to get rid of this fucking thing. I was like, no, it's got the episode of of All in the Family, but now with it, it's YouTube a, now is that yeah, that's great for uh, because that every now and then when I'm feeling a creative uh, a writer's block, I will go and watch the Sammy Davis episode of uh, All in the Family, which I think is the greatest. 10 minutes of television sitcom history like the writing was just like wow you couldn't but 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 like all in the family there's no way you get that on tv right now i don't think you could uh -oh. i mean I, I don't even know if you could get the jeffersons on tv to tell you the truth well i mean not to bring myself i hate people who bring their self into the conversation but you're like when I was doing the House Racist on Roast Battle, yeah. I was basically told uh, by certain executives, hey, we love you, dude, but we can't have that on television. Ever. We have sponsors. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I can tone it down. Like, And they were like, dude, like, mm -mm. can you? And that's what got me into battling. They're like, well, we don't want to lose you, but it ain't going to be through that. Can you battle? And so, yeah, I... I I don't think you could do it, a show like it's, that. It's all it's all money. You know, I, I do something on my Facebook fan page. And where can, where is that? Where can people find uh, that? Facebook forward slash, for, facebook.com forward slash Josh Wolf Comedy. But I, it's something called a high live. Where I just sit in my backyard and I smoke weed and I and I talk to the people who are on my page. And, and um, I had some brand people who were like, man, we love your brand and your message. You know, you're, you're about positive and about having fun. Like, Can you stop smoking weed? I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we just can't, we can't have the brand attached to anybody who's attached to weed. So I would have to scrub it entirely. That's how sensitive the, the companies have become to what the, you know, the Twitter mob or whoever, the social media mob, what they, as soon as they get their pitchforks out, dude. Whatever that company is, whatever that product is, whatever that entertainer is, is done. Look what happened to Chris Hardwick. And you know him a little bit or not really? I know him a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's crazy because it's like once the accusation's made, whether it's true or not, you're done. Can you imagine? Chris has lost his, his and I, honestly, I don't know if he did it or he didn't. I wasn't there. The only two people that know are Chris and that woman, right? But he's lost his reputation. He's lost all of his jobs. Why? Can you imagine if you walked into court and you said to the judge, you accuse somebody of something and he was the, the other person was sitting there and you were there and there was judge and jury, but the judge was like, well, that sounds like he's guilty. I guess he's guilty. Click. Can you imagine that? And then now you get, you get everything you work so hard for get taken away. And by the way, if you talk to people who know him and even his other ex-girlfriends, they're like, this is not, it's what it sounds like. It sounds like they had a terrible relationship. Even Chris said in his statement, he was like, yeah, we yelled at each other. We weren't good for each other, but I never did what she said I did. It, 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 he at least deserves his day. It's too late. I, that's no, what's fucked right. up, right? I mean, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, like it, even going back to the Duke lacrosse team, like. What a great example of that. Those guys, on the surface, you're like, yeah, spoiled white guys. You yeah. probably thought they could fuck these girls and, or, you know, stick. I've been to bachelor parties. I'm sure you have. Yep. Some pretty crazy, 
pretty wild thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still in awe of the double dildo scene I saw in Vegas once. My bunny took a lollipop out of one of the woman's vaginas and put it in his mouth. And I was <laughs> like, yo, man. I go, yo, man. And he, and he was, he takes it out of her pussy and he holds it up and we were like, yeah. And then he put it in his mouth. We all went, oh. <laughs> and he was like, it tastes like grape. I'm like, you're oh. going to die. Where You're going to fucking die. For sure you're going to die. Well, yeah. I mean, one of these girls in Vegas, she licked my friend's ass for like 10 minutes. And then she tries to kiss me. I'm like, you got to be kidding. By the way, she was a great kiss. I was going to say, how'd it taste? Now I'm doing bets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like those, anyone who's on that Duke lacrosse team from Reed Seligman to, you know, the other guys, they're done. They walk into any job, any uh, bar. That's the guy from the Duke lacrosse yeah. team. They're done. It's just the, it's the whisper. What about that woman, dude, a couple years ago? This was the first example of it that I had really seen. Remember that woman who got on a plane like in New York and she was flying to Africa and she took a Xanax and had a cocktail and tweeted out something like, I'm going to Africa. I hope I don't get AIDS. Who am I kidding? I'm white. And sent it as a joke. And, and the joke was, it's terrible that only black people in Africa are getting AIDS. Right. Maybe we should do something about that. Right? Do you know she woke up to no job when she landed in Africa? You'd have to Google who she is. She had no job. It's the craziest story. It just exploded while she was on the plane. And also, at the end of the day, like, this is, do, do you, anybody in the world, does anybody in the world want to be judged for the five worst things they've ever done or said? Do you want to be judged as a person? For the five worst things, not only just judge, do you want to have the five worst things you've ever done or said put out in public? Oh my God. I mean, I, no. And are, and are those things a good judge of you as a year on your character? Do you think? Well, I mean, there was uh, by the way, shout out to uh, Lois's mom, the lovely Gail Gramlich, my ex. Yeah. Who we get along great. She's in, uh, she says hello, Joe. Oh, are we, am I, is this on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have a hole in my pants. It's all good. Let me uh, get the zoom out. I need, I have a large, get, Jesus, you yeah, really do. Yeah, yeah. Come on, You're on network TV. Come on, dude. <laughs> you, you can afford the fucking jeans. Yeah, uh, these are my favorites. But like, you know, uh, I when I got on, uh, you know, the few shows I've been on, lucky enough, I started looking at past tweets going, what should I take down? And I'm a complete nobody. You know, but it's like, okay, here's a tweet where uh, I said, if you watch uh, Philadelphia backwards, Tom Hanks gets healthier, you know. But we're comics. But I mean, like a, a gay rights, uh, you know, group could be like, that's this guy's homophobic. Viacom sees that and goes, sorry, hey, hey, uh, Jeff and Brian, we got to get her off a roast battle. But dude, we can't start writing jokes with a filter. But you almost have to. No, but but it's gonna ru- it's going to you can't create art with a filter. That is not now now I'm not a real controversial dude. I, I it's not that I don't I just don't write my when my jokes, when I try to tell jokes like that, they just don't come off as genuine and, and true, right? I never have been able to deliver them well. I've written a bunch and given them to other people. I'll take them. <laughs> but they've never really fit well. No, I'm serious. <laughs> You got it, man. I'll buy. But like, you can't filter because then you're not creating what your what your true art is. You know what I mean? 
Oh, I agree. But like now it's like you said, with sponsors and big corporations and, uh, you know, I mean, that's why I love someone like Ari Shafir, who's just fearless. Like he, he doesn't, but like he'll tweet out something that like, you know, like, like, like when Mitzi passed, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, I think every comic was probably thinking of some funny things to say. Mm -hmm. And he tweeted out, if there's any karma in the world, uh, Mitzi will have to showcase for all the comics she made commit suicide. <laughs> That's hilarious. But I like, I would never send that out. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck, I'm, I'm barely in at the comedy store. He just doesn't, you know, I don't know what his thought process is, but he's like, I'm, I'm going to tweet this out. Because he's a comic man. Oh, and that's why he's great. Yeah, because it, the, the, the ability to be unabashedly yourself is something that we all wish that we had figured out 10 or 15 years earlier. Because you, you, in your brain, you're like, I'm playing to the whole country. No, you're not. Zero chance the whole country likes you. So play to the people that do what you do, and the people who like what you do will find you, you know? That's what I, that's why I love this podcast. Like, I mean, even though there's a couple bad reviews on iTunes. (laughs) What do they say? What do they say? I mean, there's not many. I think I have like 300 reviews, which is not, I'm sure Rogan gets like 300 a day. Right. uh, One was, um, this guy plays it safer than any podcaster out there. He's always up his guest ass. But like, what are you supposed to do? To me, like the point of a podcast isn't to be confrontational and agitate your guest into a, like it probably would be good if I sat there and said, well, I don't think you're funny, Josh. Well, fuck you, And I would Earl. say, you are not the first one. <laughs> but like, it might be funny. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're funny, Earl. And then we basically turned into a roast battle. But I think you're great. Like, you've always been nice to me. Why would I try and agitate you? But I think that goes to this, dude. Like, that guy, you're doing what is true to you. There are some other people who interview with a short stick and they jab you a little bit. That's yeah. not your style. I mean, unless someone's wronged me, and there's not many people who have, one or two, and they would never be on this podcast, uh, I'm nice to people. Just how I've been raised. Yeah, you are. You are overwhelmingly nice to people. I mean, probably too nice. You know, I'm finally starting to learn to stick up for myself if I feel I've been. Uh, That's really interesting, man. I'm going through the same. Is it recent for you? Yes. Me too. Uh, maybe it's getting, you know, I'm, I'll be 50 in September. Maybe it's uh, getting older. And I can't say I don't have the time for the bullshit. I certainly do have the time. But I don't have the patience. <laughs> Believe me, I've got the time. Yeah, dude, I know a comics life. We've got plenty of time for whatever you want us to do. But you're much more successful than I am, so you've probably got less time. I mean, it's weird. Like, has I don't know if you're more successful that you've got less time or more time. Because you're busy if you're more successful. That's interesting. You know, when okay, when when I was working more, I had more time. Does that make sense? Well, it, because now that I'm trying to generate work, that I do full time. But when I'm working, I just work at the times they need me to work. Like when I had my TV show or when I was doing Chelsea, I was working. So I wasn't spending the rest of the day because my look, man, you know, I think 100% I could be a million times more successful than I am right now. 
But during Chelsea, during the heyday of that hysteria, and there was a two or three year hysteria for that show when we went out. Oh my God. I actively chose. That's why you didn't, I disappeared from the comedy store for a while. A lot of people have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I disappeared. I disappeared because I made a conscious choice. I'm already working. That means the, the time that I'm not working, I'm going to spend with my family. I wasn't going to do that. Th that is just a way to lead to divorce and your kids hating you. And, and I'm driven, but I'm not driven to the point where I wanted to be like, I need to be this level. I was like, this is great. I'm having a great time. I'm making a decent living and I can now spend time with my wife and my kids. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So when I'm working, I actually have more free time because I'm not, during the time that I'm not doing whatever, I just decompress. But now that I don't have a job job, I'm eight, 10, 12 hours a day of just grinding. You have to. like In this town. you. Oh yeah, I mean, there's just too many of us. To let up, right? Yeah, and, and we're probably in the worst category ever, older white dude. That's uh, a tough one right now. And we're normal. Like, we're, we're just like, no, I mean, we're good looking dudes. And, you know, we look better than most comics in their 20s, but like, right. this is an age. I still got three abs. Uh, I've got, well, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> I got a good dick pic. I still got, I guess, still got three abs. I, 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 I think that like the balance is what has helped keep me sane. Yeah. Of what's in, you know, I was a single dad for so long at such a young age that, that what was important really jumped to the forefront as, as a young man. You know, I had friends of mine who would act, who were actors, dude, who they would audition and that's all they think about for four days. I wonder if they're going to fucking call. Am I going to get that call? I want to, I would walk at him and audition. I had to figure out how to buy groceries. I don't give a sh You're going to call me back or you're not. I still got to make sure that, you know, I put food in those mouths. So it really took away all of the importance of that shit. And, and I think um, it's one of the reasons why, like, I made sure when I got older that there had to be balance. Well, I, I think as I got older, by the way, that's the gardener yelling to get into the building. It's a real pro operation Doesn't, here. Do they don't have the, the, they don't have oh, the buzzer? You, you better pray he doesn't. It, it's like a kiss concert when that thing goes off what but what's who's he yelling to i don't know jesse maybe he's trying to find rick springfield i don't know uh well i found that you know i have to have something non-comedy to do you know like that's why i still play hockey yep because i'm in this league where there's not one entertainer other than the sham wow guy vince who's hilarious i have so many questions Oh, he's great. Like, you know, you saw the story about him on, you know, the, the hooker. And yeah. Like, oh, this guy's a dick, but he's great. Now, is he, does he work? Oh, he still pitches. You know, he's got the, uh, he's always making those ShamWow type products. Well, he's, a, he was the inventor? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was just a spokesperson. I'm pretty sure he invented so, it. So what other... Oh, He's got those things where you put the wax on your car and it lasts for like two years. And he's always... Uh, you have to... Can you put me in touch with him? Oh, absolutely. His name's really? Vince Offer. Dude, you have got to put me in touch with him. Oh, he's great. And he loves... He does the same thing. The reason why I do it. I, you're in this hockey league in Garden Grove on Sundays that... Uh, 
other than me and him, uh, people work at Walmart. There's a guy who best player in the league works the graveyard shift at a Sam's Club, and it's great to um, just be around people who hey, how's uh, the cartoon going, Earl? How's uh, you know this show going hey do you know josh wolf hey do you know this person can you get my script to this person I, you know they are curious about the business because right. like to them i'm a celebrity which is that's really, why you go and skate in that league yeah hey guys you drive to arizona <laughs> so i play in phoenix every sunday night yeah. it's a drive but they love me down there but it's <laughs> it's i got a big game this weekend in alberta uh but it's I needed to not be around comics for at least a few hours. Hell yes. Uh, and you know I don't. I try not worry about things I can't control. That's, That's another really age helped. thing. That's another age thing, though. I think it is. Like, you know, I got my first two commercial auditions I ever went out on for Pepsi and United. You booked your first two? Yeah, first two. Oh, you were like, this is the easiest yeah. fucking thing. I was like, wow, my God. You know, I figured, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get a few. I'll not get a few. And literally went 15 years before I got a call back. Uh, uh, now, what's, you have to take me through, what's the mental process? Because the first one you book, you're like, okay. And it was a total luck. That, and, uh, the first one, I used to play hockey on Sunday nights at the Culver City Ice Rink. Right. And it was the greatest group of guys, uh, the guitar player from Suicidal Tendencies, who was missing a finger, a black dude who played thrash metal. Like, is this when you had your hair? Yeah, this is when I had the Yaramir. I was called Baby Yager. Yeah. I played with a Jofa helmet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, O.J. Simpson's... Or actually, it was Nicole Brown Simpson's mailman. Uh, it was just the just characters. No one famous, really. Right. Uh, and so I would play there, and there was this kid who looked like Wayne Gretzky's you know, twin. He's like, hey, I'm going to audition tomorrow. Do you want to go with me? I'm like, yeah, not really. I'm like, what's it for? He's like, oh, it's a uh, Pepsi commercial. It's ice hockey. They need players. I'm like, I'll go with you just to hang out. And I go into the audition room, and it was off of San Vicente, just below, uh, just above Wilshire. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget what it was called, but at the time it was like the, the place to audition. Uh, and I, it was, I mean, it was, it was a woman's name, uh -huh. like not Judy Brown, but Judy something. Um, you know, now I think the place on La Brea is the place to yeah, go for, yep. and I know I'm losing probably some of you who aren't from LA, but there's only really every commercial you see, the auditions have taken place at two places. Basically. Yeah. 201 South La Brea. And then uh, there's a place off of o Santa Monica on Ocean Park. Yep. Um, oh, I know exactly where that is. 1701. Yep. I don't know why I'm giving out the addresses. Just in uh, case anybody wants to swing by. In case you want to crash an audition. <laughs> yeah. you know, just tell them Earl yeah. sent you out. <laughs> well, Earl said I could. What? Yeah. Who's Earl? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Merle? Burl? I do find, though, if you walk into a place and you just say a name like, hey, Bob told me I should come down. And people are like, well, I guess I should know Bob. But I found that to be very dangerous to do. Like, I had a, uh, a friend who's like, yeah, man, my commercial agent buddy said what you do is you go on the audition you're you're there for and then you just go into the other ones i'm like that's the worst thing you can do because what if you book it one of the phantom auditions then your agent's going to get the call and they're going to think you're double dipping on them because yeah. they didn't send you out 
So I go into this room with my buddy who looks like Gretzky. And, you know, of course, everyone, this is back when people actually carried headshots mm-hmm. to their audition and they had modeling books. And, and I'm just sitting and waiting for my buddy. My buddy goes in and then the director goes, you want to audition? I'm like, well, I'm not really, I don't have anything. He's like, come on in. And uh, I'll never forget. I was in a room. What was it for? Pepsi. It's Pepsi. a nice hockey commercial. And uh, the premise, I'll never forget the premise of the commercial was the team is losing. And at uh, in between periods, the, co- the coach gives us all Coke. And I take a sip of the Coke. And I'm like, but coach, this ain't Pepsi. And then we go, we he hands out Pepsi, and then we all get like these superhuman powers and, you know, win. Did the you game. skate in the commercial? Well, that was the problem. This is where the problem was. And it's amazed. I lied. I got so nervous when I was in the audition room. The guy's like, Do you have any hockey experience? I'm like, Yeah, I used to play for the Binghamton Rangers. <laughs> and I, I'm such a hockey fan. It's uh, My hockey knowledge is almost as deep has my uh, like MMA knowledge and pro wrestling knowledge. So this guy clearly had a hockey background as well. He was like, well, who is your coach? I'm like, Robbie mm. Fatorik. You know? Oh, I he knew. dug deep on you, Keith. Yeah. Because there's no, he wasn't Googling it. That no, there was time. no, I mean, it was, if, if you're in the hockey world, you know who's coaching right. Binghamton and, and Robbie Fatorik was a, uh, it's probably the first time the name Robbie Fatorik has ever been mentioned in a podcast. Uh, he used to play in the Rangers and Kings and he started coaching and uh, so he's like, oh, wow, how'd that go? I'm like, oh, he's a great coach. You know, he let us really freewheel out there. And so I get I get the call. You got the commercial. You're the lead. And uh, we show up to Culver City. And it was quite clear from the minute I stepped on the ice that I was never played. <laughs> the bigger, I mean, I literally, the director goes. But you know how to skate? Not on a pro level. I mean, they everyone else was pro skaters. Oh, really? Yeah, they basically had hired uh, minor league players. Uh, um, and the guy's like, you skate like Keith Richards uh, walks. And I'm like, that can't be good. But it was too late. They had already booked me. They had to use me. And by the way, Keith Richards has had a pretty good career. Yeah, great dermatologist. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it crazy how in the 70s, you know, Keith and Mick were like this, and now Mick... It's looking rough. Yeah, now you're like, well, fucking Keith looks better than Mick because Keith has stayed the same. And yeah. Mick, and Mick is... Um, so when you, after your second... So I get the commercial. Yeah. They had to use me, and so they did this... Uh, Do you have a clip of it anywhere? No. The big scene was they put the puck in the corner, and I'm chasing it. And, you know, after a few hours, I, I kind of started to not skate on everyone else's level, but... Like, Loosen I, up. I couldn't stop. Right. To this day, I can't stop. How do you stop? I run into people. That's ridiculous. So they had this scene where the biggest guy, and this guy was a monster, like bigger than me, long hair, like a lumberjack. He mm-hmm. bends over, and I jump over, and I flip. And uh, they liked me so much, even though I wasn't what I had portrayed myself to be. Because like, hey, I'm, uh, you got to audition, but I'm doing a United Airlines commercial. And the premise is we're going to show you on a train with other football players. And then we cut to Mike Singletary on like a Concord or, you know, United. Mm-hmm. And so that was my second commercial with Mike Singletary. Okay. So now, by the way, you're probably feeling yourself as, as pretty close to an athlete. You're, I, you're, you're, you consider yourself a professional athlete. You booked a hockey commercial and a Mike Singletary commercial with some other football. I mean, I was 22. 
Feel it. You're feeling yourself pretty good. And look, I mean, I've always been a big. I've never done roids or yeah. anything, uh, but I I was pretty big dude back then. So tell me something. You walk in a third commercial. How confident are you walking in there? I walked. If you've ever seen the very famous wrestling clip of Rick Rude, the only person to ever be on Raw and Nitro at the same night, because Raw was taped back uh -huh. then, so he. He was only on a literally a month-to-month -month contract. So he did Raw on Sunday night, and then on Monday night he showed up on WCW Nitro. It was like, wow. And the way he walked to the ring on Monday night, because he had such hatred in his heart towards Vince, and he's in a beautiful three-piece suit, just, I mean, tailor-made like RuPaul suits. Yeah. And the way he walked and the speech he gave, that's how I That felt. was you walking in. Just it's almost like, hey, I'm here to do you guys yeah. a favor. Yeah. yeah you're, you're welcome. United Airlines. And back then, I mean, I probably made, and I'm not trying to impress anyone, but it just shows the money you can make in these fucking things. Or could make, not anymore. I mean, uh, and on the, yeah, because they're all non-union. Yeah. Uh, but on the Pepsi commercial, I made close to 50. Uh, and it's, most of that is mailbox money, right? You make, what, a 1000 for shooting? Yeah, you made, I think, uh, I, you know, I don't really remember. I think it was 2500 and then uh, I didn't even have an agent. Like, I had nothing. Uh, I don't have one now. Um, and then the United Airlines commercial, I, I think I made 27. Uh, so, you know, as a 22-year-old, even That's though... That's great. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to be a fucking star. Yeah, so you... What, what was the third commercial for? Third commercial was... Uh, it was for soft drink. Uh, I think so it was you, for Pepsi. So you walk in... Think it. You're like, Absolutely. you guys, you guys know me. I'm the face of the company. Yeah. <laughs> me and Michael Jackson. We're going to, we're yeah. taking it. <laughs> so you walk in super confident, right? Rick Rude, WCW. You do your read. Never heard back from him. I'm like, ah, fuck it happens. You know, I'll get the next one. And then literally 15 years. Oh. Uh, before a callback, not before I booked something. Dude, uh, the worst. I mean, what was it like when you started? Like, did you book your first couple things or? No, and I'll tell you, but I had a similar experience about like feeling like comedy was going to be easy because the fourth time I was ever on stage, man, I opened for Sam Kinison. The fourth time I was. How did you get that gig? Okay. The first time I was on stage, I was 15 years old. My parents and I told my dad, I said, I really want to try this stand-up comedy. I really want to try this open mic. And he was like, great, I'll drive you. My parents drove me. And um, I remember I called the guy who was running the open mic and I said, um, I'm going to lead you into it. I said, hey, what, uh, what should I talk about? And he said, talk about what you know. Talk about what you know. Don't try to write. Talk about what you know. Let's just see what happens. And what I knew is that my parents farted a lot. So I did five minutes on just my parents farting and they were sitting up front. And I, I closed... The first thing I ever said on stage, dude, was, hey, everybody, I'm Josh. I'm 15 years old. And by the way, I was wearing acid wash jeans tucked into my high tops. I was wearing a, my high school baseball hat. I had a mullet, which we called a soccer cut back then. I had a thick silver chain and a mesh white shirt. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Should I wear That's my outfit I wear now. <laughs> Come on. I, I, the first thing I ever said on stage was, hi, I'm Josh. I'm 15. My mom and dad are here. 
And I'm, I'm really nervous because this is the first fucking time I'll be able to fucking swear in front of my motherfucking mom. First thing I ever said. <laughs> and it got a little bit of a laugh and I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. And then the, the five minutes about farting, I'm not sure if it was funny, but people were dying because they were laughing, I think, about how uncomfortable my mom and dad. Right. So I'm like, oh, this is pretty easy. I did another show in town with just my high school friends were there. And I was like, oh, I'm killing. This is pretty easy. Third time I was around stage, I wasn't on stage again until I went to college. And I did a comedy competition in San Antonio at a bar called Huey's on St. Mary Street. I went to a school called Trinity down there. And um, I packed the bar with my friends. And it was just a clap to see who won. I win. Kinnison's opener was a guy named Carl LeBeau. Oh my God, I love him. One of the funniest. One of the funniest, funniest. Now, I don't, you, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think Carl's dad passed of AIDS, I think, on their way to San Antonio. So he had to pull off and go take care of whatever right. taken care of. So Bill Kinnison, who was his manager, called, and the promoter was like, there was just a comedy competition down on St. Mary's. Do you want me to see who won? And he's like, yeah, book him. So I get this call from the guy who was running the comedy competition. He goes, you want to open for Kinnison in a few weeks? Or next week or something like that crazy, like a week. And I was like, fuck yeah. Because at this point, dude, comedy's easy. Crushed my first time, crushed my second time, won a comedy competition. Now I'm opening for Kinnison. Seems like that's how quickly it should go, right? So Kinnison also, you know, one of the things I loved about him, he was like the first rock and roll. Yeah. And he brought that crowd. And he did the show at a place in San Antonio called Sneakers. And I had never heard of a comic doing a show in a rock club before. You know what I mean? That was not, that, I mean, Stanhope does that now, you know? But Kinnison was the first guy to take, to take it out of the comedy clubs and not in theaters because he had his band, you know? And um, so I get there. And by the way, you want to know what I was wearing? When, when, when I hear my stage? Okay. I was wearing, um, again, acid wash, white, jeans i was wearing uh those pointy cowboy boots i had you know the thin black belts that had the silver point on the top oh, yeah had one of those i was wearing a blue button down like oxford like a blockbuster shirt but long sleeve oh. tucked into the jeans with a black motorcycle jacket over it with a ponytail and bangs he says how did you make it <laughs> <laughs> okay, Earl. So imagine that guy walking on stage in front of Kinnison's crowd. So I start to walk out on the stage and I hear somebody scream, Oh, you better be funny, Bobby Brady. Right? I grab the mic. How's everyone doing? By the time I got to doing, dude, people just started hammering me. Now, here's how bad it went. Four minutes in, maybe five minutes in. They How long were you supposed to do? 25 minutes, fourth time on stage. And you probably had... Three. Three to five minutes, and you got to do another 20 on top of that. Yeah, but listen, three to five if I'm doing crowd work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was doing jokes at the comedy competition for my friends about our college. Right. That they got. So, about five minutes in, dude, they stop uh, heckling me. And just start talking to each other. 
That's how bad it was. They were just like, this is not even worth. And just started to, and let me tell you how bad it got. As people started to stream in, because you know, they're showing up for Kinnison. I was saying things like, okay, hey, I think you guys missed the, the first three minutes of my act. So let me go ahead and tell you those jokes. So I was repeating jokes for the people who came in. Because I didn't know what else to do. And I couldn't, I couldn't talk to the crowd because nobody would engage with me because they were just talking to each other. So I, was, I would say things like, well, nobody's even listening right now. And I would look off to the side of the stage and there was nobody there to save me. And I was just like, and the girl I was dating was there. She was the only person looking. So after the show. And Kinnison was not, you know, back then he had told everybody he was sober. But back then, you know, without Twitter and social media, all you had to do is say, I'm sober. And everyone was like, he's sober. Right. Not sober. He was kind of fucked up. But man, he even fucked up. Okay, a couple things. Even fucked up. When I knew I wanted to do stand up after this night. Because even fucked up, I was captivated by, by how the crowd hung on every breath, every chuckle, every. We love you, Sam. Every, everything. Right. I was captivated by how one person, you, you know, like when I think, make a list of people that I would pay money to go see, that would make me get out of my house, get in my car and drive somewhere. Right? It's very few. Very few. And I started to think about that. I was looking at those people. I'm like, 500 people, two, two sets of 500 people, so 1,000 people decided that this was like, like that is, was so amazing to me that you could have that kind of effect on people. Oh yeah. It really, it really intrigued me that night. So, but then again, in between shows, his brother says to me, Hey, how much time you got? And I was like, what? And he was like, we might need you to stretch a little bit for the second show. Cause Sam was right. whatever. And I was thinking to myself, stretch. <laughs> did you? I am stretched. Did you, did you see the first show, man? But what happened to me that night, and this is when I knew, honestly, I think I wanted, looking back on it, the fact that I bombed so terribly didn't discourage me. It actually, my because my girlfriend was one, it was bummer when I was there because I wanted to make a good impression in front of Bill and Sam, if he had remembered. I was driving home, I started to laugh. My girlfriend was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's so funny though, isn't it? Like- it's going to be, so, and this is what I said to her, it's going to be such a great story because, you know, when you, when your, your dream, you think your dream is in your hand and it's just a piece of shit instead. Oh yeah. It's funny. And that's when I knew I'm like, this is for me, man. That, that did not discourage me. That encouraged me to do it even more. Well, it's such a crazy business because everything's out of your control for the most part. Except how you treat other people, dude. Yeah, and I think that uh, I've seen it work both ways, you know. What do you mean? People who don't treat people nice, you know, they get, uh, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Phone calls can be made. Hey, I, this person was a dick to me. Mm -hmm. You know, don't give them this part. I've seen that happen a million times. Me too. And, and you know, there have been some comics, and I won't say who. Oh, of course. But when I'm on the road, I've had club owners say to me, I can't wait for him to stop selling tickets. That's tough. I mean, you have to have them. Like it, in terms of comedy clubs, it's a, I get why Jeremy Piven's booked. I don't know. I don't know him. Yeah. But, like, but, but some people, the only reason they're booked is because they're selling tickets. But as soon as they stop, 
And there are some people who have stopped selling tickets that still get booked because they're good people and they're good to the staff and they're friendly and they're not yeah. assholes. But, you know, I'm sure we both know stories about some of the same people. I know a comic, and again, I won't say who. You will off air. Yes, I'm I will. Kidding. Sorry, good. That would be the podcast. I can't. I, no, I, no, I know, I know, I can't. I don't want any drama. But um, who anymore. showed up in Baltimore at a hotel at eight in the morning? Now, rooms a lot of times aren't ready at eight in the morning, and sometimes there's a mix-up if people if people, the hotel doesn't know you're coming in early. Dude called his manager and said, "Hey, the room's not ready. I'm taking off. If it's not ready." Manager, like leaving the city. Manager said, don't, don't go anywhere, man. Let me just call. The, you got in early. Maybe they just kind of get you first available. Don't go anywhere. He waited 10 minutes. He got back in the cab and he flew back home. He flew back home because his hotel wasn't ready. So he canceled the weekend. But he sold tickets and they booked him again. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can get away with... Uh you know, I don't want to say murder, but uh, you can get close. away with a lot. If you if you sell tickets, all's well. Uh, if you sell tickets, you can do it. But as soon as that day comes. And or, it comes. Oh, it comes for everybody. It'll tap you on the shoulder. I, man, you know, I was starting to really get nervous. I just recently had a video on Facebook hit like uh, one of my bits hit like, I think, 43 million. Jesus, uh, um, it's it, but it it reboosted my tickets because just like everybody else, I just started to just slowly. I wasn't on TV. Do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah, as yeah. visible, and tickets start to go away just a little bit. And so, uh, it it happens to everybody. Look, Bobby Slayton at one point in time had to be one of the biggest comics in the world, right? Oh yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Oh, he was huge in the eighties. I remember seeing him when I was really young, but at a place that had to hold 500 people packed to the walls, but it's the only skill we have. So do you know what I mean? Like what's the option now? Well, someone like him, you know, he's, I'm just guessing he's not great at social media because he's a little older and mm -hmm. that social media is kind of lost on, I think the older, like maybe he's got to be six mid 60s i would think so uh you know like i asked ron jeremy to, to be on my podcast and he looked at me and just goes what's a podcast right like he had no clue what i was talking about so he probably is not great on twitter or facebook or in I, I don't imagine bobby slayton posting on instagram no i, I bet you he is but that's where everyone that's where like the number one thing is instagram you think ron jeremy got laid in high school just because he had a big dick because i don't think a big dick gets you laid in high school well, he was a good-looking dude back then. You he know? what? He was a for him. Right. Like he wasn't you. He wasn't Dalia. He wasn't like uh, Matt Broussard, good-looking. Mm -hmm. But like if you look at earlier pictures of Ron Jeremy, he was kind of like a good-looking Italian, you know, above-average-looking dude. I don't think I would want a dick that big. I mean, I have it, and I don't want right. it. Right. I mean, it's a burden, right? I mean... It, How do you go to the gym? How do you fit that in your hockey pants, buddy? I mean, you know, <laughs> I think... Uh, Were you at the comedy store many years ago when, I think, when... Uh, Ari and Dan? No, when 
Joey challenged Ron Jeremy to a dick off on stage? No. I hope I'm not mixing up my stories. You know, sometimes that happens. But Joe Diaz used to take out his nuts on stage. And he's got huge balls. <laughs> he's... I've never seen them. I've seen Ari's balls. They're comparable. I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> they are, dude. I'm telling you right now. Joe Diaz, and he used to call it, he's uncircumcised. He used to call it, I'm going to take out the Cuban egg roll. This is what he used to <laughs> Yo, yeah, man. When he was younger, you know, I've known Joey since we started in Seattle together. I've known him since he was 220 pounds. He used to wear a three-piece suit on stage. That's another dude who's like, why can't everyone be like you? You, you, Rogan. Not just because you guys are successful, but just like, you know. Joe Diaz is a great guy. He's just like, but he doesn't have to be. That's no. what, I love the guys who are great who don't have to be. Russell Peters, another guy. Dr. Ken, like. Yeah, dude. It's like, you're so fucking nice. What's your angle? Do you remember when he started? Do you remember when he was doing comedy? Yeah. Back, where he would come straight from his job as a doctor. And a smart. Yeah. And, the, and then go on and do this crazy hip hop kind of weird character on stage, which was amazing. I don't know if you used to do those rooms in East LA, like Rudy Moreno and all those rooms. I, did, I, I didn't do them a lot just because I wasn't, uh, I think Rudy Moreno booked me in a room. It was in Montebello. It's like a Mexican, uh, not a sports bar, but a restaurant. I know exactly. What, it's something like the bull or. And I was horrible. The, the crowd didn't laugh once. And the guy, uh, Larry Omaha was the guy that, Man, I haven't mentioned that name in since that Larry night. Omaha is the Mexican Fraser Smith. Yeah. And he's like, they loved you, bro. I'm like, what are you talking about? They didn't make a sound. He's like, that's what they do to the white comics. I'm like, oh, okay. I remember I used to, I really ingratiated myself because that was the only place I was getting stage time. And Joey, of all people, was like, you have got to, these rooms are going to make you better. They're going to, and we used to, it used to be me, Felipe. A guy named Jeff Garcia. You remember oh, Jeff? Yeah. Me, Felipe, Jeff Garcia, Willie Barcena, um, and Rudy Moreno, all those guys. But uh, I used to tell a joke because I was a single dad raising three kids. And so I would say, uh, I'm a, uh, everybody, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a single dad. Uh, and I live in one room. I raise three kids and I make less than a thousand dollars a month. So I'm not Mexican, but I feel your pain. <laughs> And it, for whatever reason, in white rooms, it died. In Latino rooms, it killed. Yeah. Which was another lesson for me, dude, which was, who is really bothered by these jokes? It wasn't the Mexicans. It was the white people who were bothered for the Mexicans. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's weird what, you know, how one joke can kill in a room, bomb in another room, do okay in another room. It's like it's the same joke. Yeah, I find that sometimes well, around the country, I tell a joke about, I tell a story about, um, you know, when I was living like that, I tried a lot of jobs because I had to make money while the kids were at school because I couldn't afford daycare. So I got a, I'm telling a story right now on stage about I had a job for one day at a phone sex line as a phone sex operator, right? And uh, what I didn't know as a guy 
is that only guys call, no women. So that's the joke is going through that. In places like here in New York, bigger cities, that shit works. When you go to a smaller town, you can see the guys in the crowd like, this is this is some, I'm, you talking about some gay stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, the tension is so, it's so, it's so different. It's so different. But, 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 but I find it different between the three clubs. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, but, but for those, it's the comedy store, the improv and the laugh factory, but like the, because you're a different clientele. Why well, try and explain the difference between the three and, and comparing each club to a band? Like to me, you know, the laugh factory is the backstreet boys. It's just very clean, it's, uh, polished, uh, almost overly produced. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, the best looking lineups in the city. I mean, when you have Keep them handsome. six hot girls who've never done stand up before and Adam Hunter on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's booking the place. <laughs> I'll name names. I'll go rogue. <laughs> Visit MMA Roasted on Twitter. <laughs> and then uh, uh, now we've got the home line coming off. Uh, Is that an answering machine? Yes, I have a landline. I have a landline too, but you have an answering machine. I'm, you have an actual answering machine? This is a podcast. Uh, oh, it's the great Dom Herrera calling me. That's amazing. I love Dom. Uh, I'm helping Dom with something, but uh, this is, uh, you know, this isn't Rogan's podcast center. You get a lot of extra sounds with me. I love that you have an, an actual answering machine. Oh, yeah. I have a land. That's a landline. Oh, we have a landline, too. My wife refuses to go out of the landline because she's like, what up? Just in case. I'm like, what do you mean just in case? She's like, what if the satellites go down? I'm like, are the satellites going down? She was like, how do you know? So we have a landline. Yeah. I mean, I... Uh, Actually, it's, I don't do a lot of podcasts. You know, I love doing other people's podcasts. Mm -hmm. Some people don't. They're like, I don't want to take away listeners from my, but it's the complete opposite. Agreed. Uh, you know, you go on this person's podcast, their fans, oh, I'll listen to Inappropriate Earl. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, your fans now go, oh, I'll listen to that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, but what were we talking about before the fucking uh, I don't, I don't phone call interrupted us? Uh, Dom Herrera uh, jokes. Don't worry. Um, thanks, Dom. Oh, oh the, the Laugh Factory club, lineups. Clubs. Yeah, yeah. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. Very good looking. Uh, some might say overly produced, sterile environment. That's not a pot shot, but it's you go to the Laugh Factory, you watch the show, you leave. There's not a lot of hanging out. It's not conducive to the hangout like the store is. Yeah, like the improv is a little more like a, a John Mayer. You know, it, it's very, the lineups are great. Uh, but, you know, you, I don't know, it's not like a lot of social activity there. Mm -hmm. the comedy store is like Motorhead. <laughs> you know, it's something for everyone. I will tell you. Would you agree? Am I right? I mean, yeah, like. The, the Laugh Factory, though. When the Laugh Factory is popping, when the Laugh Factory is hot and electric, I don't know that there's a room like it in this city because there's so many people in the upstairs. They're it, they're on the people are on top of you, and so like when Dane was at 
when Dane was Dane and Dane and Delia were having dick offs over at the fucking laugh factory would one would bring in one good looking girl and the other would bring in like six. And then the other one bring in 10. It was fuck crazy. But that was the rumor. I just heard that rumor. Uh, but, uh, I think Delia beat him on all fronts. I think so too. Delia, by the way, but Delia, when you watch him at the store, he's like, he's, so he has Dane's like ability and kind of that physicality, but he's a fucking great writer. Well, he works his ass off. Works his ass like, off. Works his ass off. You know, I, I used to see him at open mics in the Valley. Like, First time I ever saw him was an open mic in the yeah. valley at the Ha Ha. It was him and Jason Collins. And I remember the first time I saw him, he was, I, f I don't remember the joke he was doing. Um, but I called my manager. I'm like, you got to sign this dude. Uh, and he was like, who is he? I was like, he doesn't, name's Crystalia. You have no idea who he is. But this guy is fucking so good already. Was, he was so likable. Yeah, but the work ethic is like, and he probably didn't have to have that work ethic to make it. Like he, he had his connections and whatnot, but like he's one of the harder working dudes still to this day. Man, the bar that the highest comedian, the highest level comedians in our business are setting, you know, Rogan's putting out a, a new special every year and the quality isn't dipping. Oh no. Do you I know? Mean, They're it, just working, working. That's why I tell comics around the country, like I'll, I'll like I'll meet somebody who's opening for me. And he'll say, I really want to be a stand-up. I'm like, great. How many times are you getting on stage a week? And they're like, three. I'm like, quit. Quit right now. Because there are some of the greatest comedians in the world who are getting on stage three times a night. Yeah, three's a hobby. Yeah, three, three quit. You got to quit because you're wasting your time. Because it doesn't matter how talented you are. Someone's going to outwork you. Three times? Can't do it. In North Carolina or wherever the fuck right. you are, can't do it, right? It's got to be at least five times a week, don't you think? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, when I first started, I was going up probably close to 20 times a week. You'd, you'd, Did you ever do that that gig out at the Liquid Zoo on Sepulveda? Dude, the, my ex, who's probably still listening, started the room. Do you remember that shitty the fucking The Liquid play? Zoo. Oh, my God. That was a soul sucker. Every time I pulled in there, I was like, those rooms test your metal for wanting to do this fucking job well i mean the liquid zoo is like a prostitute bar so you would literally be uh stuck in the at, well at one point they didn't even have a stage no. you would be like 10 feet in front of the bar people with their backs to you trying to pick up some fucking hooker who looked like elsie greenwood <laughs> You know, it's just so. That's a great reference. So, I mean, I'm a stealer. <laughs> I'm a stealer fan. Yo, if you guys don't know who Elsie Greenwood was, you Only have to Google the, that. <laughs> number 68. But, like, they were so, uh, you know, like, the, the women there were not good looking. And, like, you prayed for it to be cold so they would be covered up on yeah. the corner. Uh, but I mean, just a, I went in there one night because my friend had spit on a comic, a female comic, and I'm like, I got to check this room out. 
had spit on her? Yeah, I guess they got into an argument and he spit on her and everyone was talking about it in the open mic scene. And I'm like, what is this place? So I go, it's a liquid zoo. Some some girl with big tits runs it. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll go in for that. Yeah, you had me. And then we ended up dating for six and a half, seven years. Um, so What's her name? Gail Gramlich, the lovely and talented Gail Gramlich. Uh, you know, we had our OJ and Nicole moments, but we're cool now. Uh, you know, we split Lois, um, but this room was brutal. I mean, yeah, uh, I can't do rooms like that anymore. No, I remember I the first time I met you. Which room was it? And I'll name names here. Do it. A shitty sports bar gig in Simi Valley run by Barry Neal. Uh, I got yeah. no shame. Viacom doesn't own me. Uh, and I remember... I, I have a very bizarre memory. Uh -huh. Like, I can remember things. I know you won't remember this, but I remember you had a hat on. That's you true. were slunched. I don't even slunch, slouched into the back booth of the of this gig. And, you, and you're like, hey, I'm Josh. I'm like, hey, I'm Earl. And you asked me, I think, how much time I had. I'm like, whatever you need, baby. And I probably had seven minutes at the time, uh -huh. if that. And Barry, and it was pretty dirty back then. Uh, and Barry's like, you can't swear. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Of course, two minutes in, I'm swearing. He's lighting me like someone's seeing yeah. the plane coming to Tower 2 going, hey, something's happening here. We got to get out of here. And then he goes on and bombs for 20 minutes swearing. And then you killed. I mean, I remember, wow, this guy's doing better than me and Barry. Uh, I don't remember the gig. As I remember horrible. the place sports and i was so green at the time that i had to take the tickets at the door uh, so i was like wow this sucks yeah that's not this ain't no pepsi commercial yeah because people were like isn't he the guy who yeah just you know i think after they left and i would stay around just to have anyone tell me i was funny uh you know you stand by the door just like you're like hanging out uh and this oh thanks for taking our tickets you know <laughs> you know Larry, Larry the Cable Guy though I toured with him for I think almost four years and he did say something to me though because he would see me on the bus after the show and he'd be like what are you doing here and I said what do you mean he goes you should be standing out of that door shaking hands with everybody who's walking out well now you I think I get that yeah, because, and I said, why, man? I said, they don't know who I am. He goes, they will if you stand by the door. He right. Said, he said, if you don't stand by the door, because the first time I ever opened for him, that was the best thing he ever said to me. I said, hey, what are the rules? What do you want me to say? He goes, don't swear, don't say fuck, and keep it between 20 and 25 minutes. And I said, that's it? Material? And he goes, man, I don't care. He said, if you're going to tour with me, though, I want to see you try at least five minutes of new material every week. And I said, why? And he said, you got to use the stage to get better. You're going to be in front of 10,000 people a night. He said, but I said, but what, I want to make them laugh. And he goes, stop that right now. I said, why? And he said, because whether you kill or whether you bomb, nobody's going to remember you were on stage by the time I get off stage. It's complete freedom. He said, it's the best gig you'll ever have. It pays well, and you can say whatever you want to get better. He said, but if I don't see you trying to get better, I'm going to find somebody else. And I was like, oh, shit. But then he caught me in the, on the tour bus, and he was like, what are you doing? 
he said, go shake their hand and thank them for coming. Cause then they'll remember, oh, he was funny. Right. Oh, he does mean, so oh, he wanted to say thank you. And he was like, that kind of personal stuff is what builds fans. But you sitting on the bus like an asshole, <laughs> that's not, and he never let a ticket price go above $47. And I was like, why? And he said, I would rather sell two arenas at 10,000 seats each than one for a hundred dollars at 10,000. So 20,000 tickets because, and I said, why? And he said, more fans. And he said, and I get 20,000 people with extra money in their pocket who will buy merch. Right. He was like, I, and he doesn't play the big cities. So I said, why aren't we do this city, this city? He was like, why am I competing? If I go to New York, there are a zillion. Now he did sell out Radio City five nights in a row. But in general, he would play B markets because he was like, there's no, I have zero. We went to a town of 50,000 people. He sold 10,000 tickets. What arena is in a 50,000? A small, usually we played small AHL or AHLs. We would do like two, we would do small hockey arenas, 5,000 each and we'd just sell them twice. Well, we played small, I played small hockey arenas all over the country with him. I went to Alaska. That's what we played in Anchorage. We played uh, hockey arenas. Home of the Anchorage Aces. Yeah. Have you ever been to Alaska? No. There's one club there, I think. It was so cold. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I can imagine. I, I, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was dark at like three. I would be a raging alcoholic. I, I would be... And then I, I was, I was, yeah, I would be a raging alcoholic because it's dark at three and only, yeah, only like four hours of light for a couple of days. No. Well, a lot of people are alcoholics in Alaska. I can't imagine why, man. There's nothing to do there. There's fucking shit to do when it's minus 27. That's like when, when I played Winnipeg uh, with Deuce Bigelow, the great Rob Schneider, it was minus 20, no wind chill. It was just straight minus 20 and... I was, I'll never forget, uh, I went to the mall and I was, I had two pairs of jeans on, a pair of sweats over it. So I had three pants on. I was so cold. Same thing up top, two, two sweaters, a sweatshirt, a jacket, a, a beanie. Uh, and I come out to the corner and there's a guy in flip-flops and shorts. And he just looks at me and goes, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from LA, man. He just looks at me and goes, pussy. <laughs> You were like, yep, yeah, that's right. Pretty much. You're 100% right. I'm supposed to go up there in November. At Rumors? Uh, it's it's in Winnipeg. I don't it's, know. I think it's Rumors Comedy Club. I noticed they're having a roast battle, too, up there, too. Hmm. Oh, they are? I wonder where they got that idea from. Wait, do they, do you, is the roast battle name trademarked? I mean, I'm out of the loop on those business decisions, but uh, I would imagine Comedy Central has made some. Right. Uh, move in that area because uh, I know they're branching it out to add there's a roast battle in Africa now there's a roast battle in Mexico like um, the UK Jimmy Carr does uh, a UK roast battle the great Jimmy Carr another dude who is like in your class uh, uh, in Russell and, and Dom Herrera like why can't everyone be like you guys he I saw him on stage trying some new jokes the other night I didn't I guess I'd never really seen him do stand up he's dark Oh yeah, he's got a you know he's dark, super funny. He's got a Christian Bale, American Psycho. Yeah, but the accent takes a little, makes it sound okay. Yeah, and he's so nice off stage. Like people think, because we had a controversial roast battle that we. Why was it controversial? Well, a lot of people thought he won because uh, I had one joke that bombed, 
but uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Rogen were the judges, and they're like, Earl, you had the higher highs, and then Seth Rogen's like, and you definitely had the lower lows, but me and Jimmy, we like to ride the roller coaster. <laughs> Where, where, where did this they was in Montreal, in Montreal and I got hate mail. I got death threats. I uh, went on Reddit once for some stupid reason. And the Opie and Anthony fans were just vicious towards me. This guy sucks. Yo, that Reddit is bananas. Well, I didn't really uh, understand what it was and, and until for, I, I think I was looking up something online here and, uh, you know, if you put an Earl Skagel or Josh Wolf, your name pops up and then sub things pop up beneath mm -hmm. it. And there's like the third one down was like, is Earl Skakel funny? I'm like, oh, let me see what the fans no. think. And uh, the first review, which I actually posted on Facebook, was hilarious. He's like, can someone please explain to me Earl Skakel? He seems like the type of guy who hangs out at the comedy store because he doesn't have to work and he already has connections and just yells out the N-word and spelled it out and faggot. And I'm like, wow, this guy's got me. Yeah, I mean, he really, he really nailed my essence. This guy knows me. <laughs> uh, and then it was much worse after that. Uh, so, uh, but can you imagine being so bored? I, I don't know. I've never left a review on Yelp. I have because I like leaving funny reviews. So I, I would be on board for reading, leaving a funny review. I would also be on board for leaving a positive review. But if you go to a sandwich store and you don't like that sandwich, hey, motherfuckers, just don't go back. Do you know what I mean? Like, because when you read somebody, sometimes if you read a negative review and you go to that person's page, they're all negative. It's just, they feel like they're doing a service. Just keeping it real, man. I had a guy out in the valley at a restaurant, right? He's waiting tables with me and my wife. And he walks up and um, for whatever reason, people always either compare me with Dane or Tosh. Because you look just like, you look like, and I'm not roasting you. A and cross both, between Dane and Tosh. Yeah, you look like they fucked and, and yeah. out came you. Totally, I totally get it. But people love to say it like, like we're competing, the three of us. Right. And then first of all, no competition. Those two are so much more successful than me. They've had uh, oodles and tons of more career gravitas than I have. Okay. Guy walks up and he goes, hey, man, he's pouring my iced tea. Just keeping it real. Tosh is a little funnier than you. Like, a lot funnier. And I was like, oh, yeah. He was like, just keeping it real. No offense. Like, I I, I did, I go, cool, man. Just keeping it real. Can I get a little more ice for my tea? Just keeping it totally real. No offense. Just some more ice for that tea. Thanks, man. Keeping it real. But, like, why do they feel like they need... Well, I think they get excited when they see you. But what's the keeping it real part? That they, they think that they're excited. So to keep it real, they want to show that they're a real person. So to show that they're a real person, they want to tell you that they don't like you? Because they don't know how to interact with, to you, or to them, you're a celebrity. You're on TV. I mean, I get it all the time with Roast Battle. Yeah. Uh, not so much on uh, the Showtime show, because I'm not like really, my face isn't really in mm -hmm. it a lot. But like Roast Battle has a very devoted group of fans. It's like pro wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I get people at the store coming up to me all the time. You know, you didn't beat Jimmy Carr, right? I'm like, well, you know, it's it's not really my decision. 
Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Walk off and go, hey, you know, he didn't. And how long ago was it? This was in um, July of 15. Oh, so they got to let it go. Well, yeah, I mean, I have. Uh, <laughs> well, you won. It was easy for you to let it go. Well, but now it's like, you know, they're they're doing something else in a month, I think. And, and like, I'm, get, I'm starting to get the DMs. You're going to give Jimmy Carr another chance since you didn't beat him the first time. It's like, I'm not the matchmaker. Like, I'm not... You know, you're going to bat. It's like. What's what's the joke in Rose Battle? Oh, I'm so glad I get to ask you this question. What's the joke in Rose Battle that you for sure thought this is the one? And it just was like. Oh, the one against Jimmy. Uh, because. and, and like, What was the joke? Well, everyone knows how much I love Jimmy, but it is Rose Battle. Yeah. So it. It's like you have to. Oh, go you got to go in. Yeah. It's like if I let's just say you and I battled. There's no one I respect more in comedy than you. But and that's on the and this guy who left the iTunes review is like here he goes again kissing ass. Yeah. Uh, but I would have to like you know dig deep on you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I you know my biggest target is my aunt is Ethel Kennedy, mm -hmm. so people are gonna hit me with a Kennedy joke. So I was like, well, he's going to do something about my family. I have to do something about his family. And uh, I don't know if the situation is still um, bad, but Jimmy at one point had a restraining order against his father. <sighs> and I remember I was with the guy who was helping me write most of my jokes, Omid saying he's a very funny comic. Mm -hmm. uh, he flew up to Montreal his own dime. He's like, let me help you. I'll just stay in your room. And, uh, so we came up with a joke where, uh, wow, Jimmy, you look in great shape. I guess all those years of running from your dad helped you. <laughs> Such a funny joke. But. Did people know about his dad? I forgot to do the first part and say Jimmy has a restraining order against his dad. That's the thing. And it, when I say it bombed, I bomb a lot still. Yeah. Hell, last night in the OR, I didn't have the greatest of sets. No, in the main room. It was even worse. Uh, That's the toughest room in the country for me. Well, the main room, when it's not completely full and the audience are set like Tetris uh, yeah, pieces, yeah. like, you know, there's seven there, four there. You don't, at least I don't know, okay, where do I devote most of my energy to? Them, the three people over there, the two people in the, you know, it's like you want to give everyone their... But also when those bigger rooms aren't filled, the energy kind of just dissolves. Yeah, and they pick a comic to leave on. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to leave after Josh. And it's got nothing to, you know, we're, we're going to leave after Theo Vaughn. It has nothing to do with... With their performance. They can no. be killing or bombing. Yeah. They're going to leave after you. Yeah. Uh, so you know, with the Jimmy Carr joke, uh, um, it bombed. Like, I... I'll never forget that feeling of going, not only are you bombing in a packed, not arena, but Comedy Central made a Mad Max Thunderdome set for a roast battle. It, it, it was amazing. I felt like walking out and I was Kiss. I mean, you just got that instant rush and the audiences sat like uh, they're a Metallica show. Uh, I mean, there, there's everyone around you. Like there's people above you. I, I, it was amazing. And then that joke just bombed like nothing, dead silent. You could hear a pin drop in Toronto. And I, I just, I thought, fuck, I lost.
that's gonna you know because usually if you have one bomb you've lost the yeah um, oh really so all, all it takes is one joke not to work well in in uh in roast battle when it's just a one round battle and it's four jokes you know like against sarah tiana who i love even though i lost it's probably my favorite battle because i love her so much uh i had one my first joke didn't didn't bomb but it didn't do great mm -hmm. and i was just playing catch up and then you know the battle was over i, I just ran out of time who do you think is the best at that? Me. Outside of you. Well, here's why I say me. Outside of me. But I, I'm sure people listening, this guy's kind of cocky. You know me. I'm yep. the furthest thing from cocky. But I don't think anyone in the history of the show has ever been given the brackets that I get. Like the five people I faced, you know, from Road to Roast Battle, which is basically the audition, yeah. to the four people... I faced in Montreal. What was your rundown? It was Jesse Joyce. Okay. Who's a, to show you how good Jesse Joyce is? Jason Reitman, great producer. Yeah. Uh, David Taylor, very well uh, esteemed uh, comic at the store yeah. and, and, and roasting's his thing. And many other people are like, Earl, we love you, but Jesse's going to kill you. And David's very blunt. He's like, you know, he's their number one roast writer. They want him to beat you. You know that, right? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, they, I guess they kind of do. And then I, you know, I had very good strategy. What was the strategy going in for that one? Strategy was um, Jesse's very eloquent. Uh -huh. He's a wordsmith. And sure enough, he walked to the stage with literally 12, piece, 12 pieces of paper to do four jokes. I had five jokes in my head no sixth there was not a sixth joke to tell in earl's head did you need a sixth one well no but i mean i'm just you know sometimes it goes to overtime oh, it, and it, it gets going but uh, uh and i i knew if i forced him to go first that his first joke would be long i just i knew he would want to showcase his writing skills and he's a much better roast writer than i am he gets paid to do it but this is roast battle it's not necessarily there's some performance yes and which that's I, why your character also probably helps your jokes and it's almost cheating to a degree of you're not battling earl you're battling rick rude yep so you could write a joke about me but people are gonna be well, that's not the guy that's on stage right <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um some people think it's cheating and aren't a fan but uh so this first joke went very long and Joe, even Joe Rogan, who was judging, is like, dude, this is like four jokes. And they started arguing. And I'm like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just Do they eat critique after every joke? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. You, you, uh, you can intermittently, you know, if the judges are feeling it, they can interrupt the battle. And mm -hmm. so Joe felt enough, whatever, to say, hey, man, that's four jokes. He, he hasn't done one. You got to stop. And then Jesse kind of started arguing with him a little, not playfully arguing, like, mm -hmm. no, that, that's one joke, man. It's, it's all ties together. And just like, no, that's four jokes. And then they stopped and everyone looked at me and I just looked at Jesse. He's like, wow, that, that joke lasted longer than your first marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you had, you, I won. You, you I won knew it. he was going to tell at least one long joke. Well, you hope. So you had that one in your pocket. Yeah. It's like football. Like, you, you know, if you're the Steelers and you're playing a running team, like. So you strategize, besides just writing jokes, you strategize by the person you're going absolutely. Up like with Sarah Tiana, I was completely, uh, unnerved and how to battle her because it's always tougher for a guy to battle a girl uh, well first of all let, let, 
let me go through the gauntlet. Okay. So then I, I beat Jesse and I beat him like significantly. So it was like a Mike Tyson knockout. And I, I knew when that joke hit, I looked over at all the comedy central executives. They, they literally in unison got up on the edge of their seats. Like, uh Oh, this is about to happen. And then the second joke was, it might have been, uh, crossed the line. But in my defense, I did ask Jesse, hey, is there anything you don't want me to talk about? What was the second one? Because I, I respect him a lot. So uh, it, it's, I, I knew Greg Giraldo was his best friend. Mm. And, <laughs> so, and Jesse, <laughs> Jesse was awesome. He's like, hit me with whatever. Yeah. And he knew what I was asking. And he asked me, is there anything you don't want to? You was know. is there anything ever off limits for you? Uh, not um, no. I mean, my parents died two months apart, so it's not necessarily something I want to hear jokes about. But you, I believe you sign up for roast battle, um, and so you you sign up. You know, now, like, now, the information about people is that up to you to do the digging? It's different. Uh, like me and you, I would actually, I, obviously, I wouldn't want to know where the jokes are going to be coming from. But I'm like. Hey, dude, uh, Josh, this is where people usually hit me from. The Kennedys, uh, lack of success for so long in this business. Uh, my last girlfriend was 27 years younger than me. Um, you know, that's where people usually go. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you need to know? Um, it, so, but some people are like... Has anyone ever done a joke about your parents? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesse did it. It was pretty funny. Uh, Benji Aflalo, uh had a really he makes me laugh man well they put me up against him for you know and they wanted him to beat me so he could get season two but uh you know you'd think they would have learned yeah was he the second round no uh, but that's for the last oh. the last season but uh, so then i get to montreal my first opponent's tom ballard do you know tom i don't know tom brilliant comic in australia um you know, there was an untelevised season of Roast Battle that was called the Jeff Ross Roast Masters Presents. Yeah. Because there were some... You know, Roast Battle is a fascinating show. The uh, history of it is... It's five-year anniversary, I think, next month. And there's a lot of drama behind the scenes. They couldn't call it Roast Battle that first season. There was some uh, issues. With, right, right, um, right, right, right. Totally people in their roles on the show yeah totally totally uh so we did an untelevised season tom ballard uh, in a lot of people's minds beat jimmy carr so jimmy's been in two jimmy's been in jimmy won the first untelevised season and then he won or then he lost to me in the uh the second the the, the first televised season did you get but, a belt uh you do uh but I thought when I got Tom Ballard as a first opponent, I'm like, that's pretty tough first opponent. You know, I helped build this show. I'm not saying I want re the retarded kid you picked up at the airport. Right. But I think. But a little easier. You don't need a 16 seed, but you don't right. need a one seed either. And Tom Ballard is a one seed. Right. Um, I mean. So they didn't want you. I, you know, I love roast battle. It's done so many things for me i i can't thank it enough but i you know one of the reasons i left the show was because i didn't think i was being taken care of like i should have do you regret leaving the show i do because i've gotten everything that i have now from it so i in my head it's always like you know yeah. it's like chelsea lately was for you but i left i quit her job 
but I mean, it was must have been hard. Yeah, you know, um, I I had been I didn't quit the the uh, roundtable, but I was writing on the show for a long time, and I just I I felt myself I was gaining weight. I was at like 190, I was 192 pounds. Right. And right now I'm like 165 and I was fat and I was unhappy and my comedy was just, mm. and I was talking to my wife and she was like, what is going on with you? And it just turns out like, and I walked into the office the next day and I told Chelsea, I go, listen, I'm giving you my two weeks because I don't, I want your job. I don't want to work for anybody anymore. My goal is to be you, but I can never be you as long as I'm working for you. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. The, and the only way, like it's scary, but the only way for reward is risk. And so I knew I was never going to get to do what I wanted to do as long as I just kept being, you know, one of the Chelsea Lately crew. And honestly, I didn't know this until later. But amongst other comedians, the Chelsea Lately comics not held in that high of regard. Well, that's the same thing with roast battle comics. It's, it's like, it's all oh, that's, they're not really comics. They're just specialized in like mm -hmm. what's essentially a slam dunk competition. But dude, it's so hard to write those types of jokes and you only get four and you can't miss. Yeah. That's well, on TV, like it, it's like. You know, in L.A., on the weekly show, you, um, for, like, a special main event, it's even worse. It's three rounds. Um, but, I mean, I felt the same way. I was like, fuck, dude, I'm leaving a show that's, like, giving me everything. Mm -hmm. And, like, like the Adult Swim cartoon was got solely because Tyler, the creator, was in the crowd one night. And he just thought I was insane. Because this is when I was the house racist. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and his humor is kind of out there. So. Yeah. I think, what could I have gotten if I was on the show last week? Maybe someone. But, you know, if you're not happy, you got to like. Uh, but I bet you don't have the number four rated podcast on iTunes if you're still doing Rose Bottle. You know, it's I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm big on respect. And I just felt in certain areas I was being disrespected. Well, it's important, dude. Like, it's important to. um it's one of the ways that you can continue to walk around the world and be like, you know what? Professionally, this might not have been the best move for me, but I can wake up tomorrow and be like, Phew. whatever that weight was. Because if something, if you're thinking about something and it sounds like this was something that you thought about a lot during the day. That oh, hundred percent. Just to get that weight off of your shoulders is, is worth it, man. Do you know? Uh, you know, I'm all about uh, treat. And I don't even know who made, like, say, the bracket in Montreal. You know, I don't think there was a conspiracy. Let's fuck Earl over. But it was definitely like other people were given easier brackets. Like, you know, Mike Lawrence, who, you know, is a great mm -hmm. comic from New York. You know, like, his Jesse Joyce battle was his best friend, Dan St. Germain, who had never really battled before. Funny guy. But oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, funny dude. guy, yeah. I mean, Dan is like. Funny guy. He's an, another dude I'll throw into your group of niceness and Great like, guy. wrestling fan. I had him on the Josh Wolf show on the panel a bunch. Yo, he's like... Funny guy. Once again, why, why can't everyone be like Dan? But he's not really a roaster. No. So I was like, well, that's kind of an easy match to give Mike. But then he had you in the first round. That's hard. Well, no, but then Mike had, uh, I think, and Mike's first round opponent was Matt Broussard. Very tough 
I mean, Matt's very good at roasting. But do you think Tom was like, why do I get fucking Earl first round? I mean, it's possible. I mean, I'm, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm such a buffoon up there and go into total Rick Rude mode that people don't like battling me because it's hard, you know, because they're just going to, I mean, Tom came out there and he headlines all over the world. And yep. he's, he's like huge in Australia. He's in a black t-shirt and black pants. I'm in a pair of silver space pants. Uh, I took off my shirt like Hogan style and the wave came out and oiled my body up and just Tom Ballard's looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And then, uh, and then Jimmy Carr is like, Hey, whether you win or lose, don't hug me. I'm like, why not, dude? I'm a huge fan of yours. He's like, this is a $3,000. <laughs> All right. So after Tom, who's so your after guy? Tom, I get Jimmy. He was your second round. Yeah. So, because Jimmy had uh, Jimmy in the first round had gotten Christy Ciello, who's a very funny New York comic. Uh, um, at the time, she was kind of new to roasting, so I was like, "Why didn't I get her?" Mm -hmm. Like, just as a like, what would have made me happy is, uh, "Hey, Earl, we're going to give you uh, an e not an easy first round match, but a match you probably are going to win." Then you get Jimmy in the second round. We want you to get at least two nights in Montreal. Yeah, as a thank you. Uh, and then I beat Jimmy controversially. Then I, I lost to Sarah in the next round. And then I beat uh, K. Trevor Wilson for the losers bracket. Uh, uh, and you know, uh, K. Trevor is like a legend in Canada. Sarah Tiana, her natural "Who am I?" To me, when I hear when I see her roast people, it works so well because she's so she seems so nice. Do you know what I mean? Well, that was my problem is I knew like for the first time I couldn't out nice the person. No. So it's like, it was going to be pretty much joke for joke. And like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to battle a woman because you come off as a bully. I could sit there and make fun of her looks and every guy in the room would fuck her. So it kind of doesn't look, yeah. and the women are going to think I'm a female basher. What was the, so what angle against Sarah? Well, Sarah Silverman was judging, and Judd Apatow was too. So I thought they're going to vote together. So I got to be real careful here. They're going to do like Kimmel and Rogan. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they voted together. So I was like, well, I, I can't call her fat. And she's not fat. Mm -mm. But, you know, it's roast battle. Mm -hmm. you, you can't just sit there. Hey, you look great. Uh, I can't call her old. She's not old. Nope. But, you know, and, and the... Uh, premise of this show she is just you know i'm the oldest roaster right i'm 49 so I, am i old no but for roast battle there's gonna be old jokes right so that well i know sarah silverman didn't like the old jokes used against her on the i think it was the james franco roast she didn't like him. she had a problem with it and i get it like it had a real like a serious had, yeah she did not like uh, you know, afterwards, she was like, this is bullshit, you know, but it's like. But why? 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 You know, I get it. I don't get it. If you're up there roasting people, she didn't hold back. I don't really know her. She seems like a nice person. Oh, she's but great. Like, but like, why? Why isn't she allowed to be made fun of what, her age? Like, what was it? What she did? You like? know, I just, you know, I mean, I'm sensitive. I, I don't like. Uh, yeah, but it's Rose Battle, dude. Well, that's how I feel. Like, listen, as long as the joke is true. You know, like you've had a bad breakup. You mm -hmm. were a single dad. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what happened with the um, 
X. The, the X. Uh, you know, I would myself. I would do significant research. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay yep. people to research yep. what happened. Look up divorce, Josh, breakup. What happened? Was there abuse? Was there whatever? Um, and you signed up for roast battle, so you, I don't think, should be upset. At, no, has. I'm sure, you know, I think we all know my family history, especially the Skakel side. Yep. They have some issues. Do I want to hear jokes about my cousin? Probably not. Are you going to? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, being the competitor and the uh, the strategist I am, I'm like, Sarah Silverman's not going to like me calling Tiana fat or old. I can't. Um, so I think the first joke was... Uh, Sarah, you're going to be a great mom. And one day your kids are going to look up at you and go, Mommy, how come we're not alive? Uh, it ain't the greatest joke. Not terrible. But I thought it was edgy enough where Silverman would like it. Uh -huh. And she just, she didn't. And then Sarah nailed me with a kid. Earl likes young girls, uh, which I've only dated one young girl. Yeah. But it was... And she was on the season one as well. Uh -huh. So it was very prevalent of people who watched the show. It's like, Earl loves young girls. He has a lot of pictures of them on his hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. It's a joke you can't really rebut no. either. Are you allowed to rebut? Oh, yeah. And that's where I win most of my battles. Because you're quick. I'm really good at rebuttals. Uh, most of my jokes are written for me in full disclosure. What is so your strength? You would say is rebuttals, your, rebuttals, and your attitude. Who you are? Uh, well, yeah, because I'm such a pro wrestling fan, and this is like a, a fantasy camp for me to act out being Rick Rude, and I'm completely stealing from Rick Rude. Uh, you know, because what, what was your best rebuttal? One against, where you were like, "Oh fuck!" It was against. Well, this wasn't in Montreal, but we did a roast battle at the L.A. Riot Festival, which is like an alternative festival. Which I found funny that roast battle was in a festival for alt comics because yeah. in the early days, uh, alt comics did not like roast battle because they thought, "Oh, this is a sellout show. It's it's hacky. You look like jokes." And now I find it funny that most of them are trying to get on the show. Um, it's a great exercise in writing succinct, funny jokes. I think it's a great show. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a slam dunk competition. Uh, it's a home run hitting competition. But not every the the like the to be able to develop. I told you maybe off the air last time. I took a job writing on fifth grader. But Jeff Oxworthy yes, show. In my contract, I said. And I had no, I know Foxworthy a little bit. We had the same manager, but in the contract, it was, you know, Jeff has to talk to me for thirty minutes a day about comedy, because why wouldn't I learn? And, and I took the job to learn how to write those type of jokes because I didn't know how to write them. It's a, it's a skill set. It's not hack. The, you know, what's funny to me is that people consider something hack that they can't do. Yo, carrot top. You, I don't think he's hacky at all. No, you go make a hell, a toy helicopter funny. Do you know what I mean? And do and find dude that dude. Just because it's not the the typical setup punch or storytelling or whatever, it doesn't mean it's hack. Well, like, I think people are just haters. Like, you know, he's got a joke where he has a tennis racket 
and he's got like I don't know if they're tampon strings on it, but they're some kind of string. He's like, "Hey, look, everyone! It's the new Venus Williams tennis racket. That's fucking funny to me. It's great. So stupid. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is the part where we leave Facebook Live. I force people to switch over to iTunes and listen to the rest. For the Facebook Live fans, Josh. Yes. Is there anything you want to plug? Plug your social media and I, you know what books. Actually, what I want to plug. What I want to plug is my show on Facebook Live. It's on my Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com forward slash Josh Wolf Comedy. It's called Controlled Chaos. I do it every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Pacific time. It's bananas. It's like a weird combination of a late night show and Pee Wee's Playhouse. No politics, no social issues, all fun. It's super ridiculous. Uh, check it out. We we have we've had some great guests on. We got more coming up. Earl's gonna be coming up on it. So check that out. And where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? Josh Wolf Comedy. Josh Wolf Comedy. All right, we're gonna do about another fifteen minutes. So you gotta listen to the finished product on iTunes. Word. Josh Wolf's the best. Be a fan. I well, here's the problem I see with roast battle. And I, I'm sure you've seen it with panelists, you know, on shows where, you know, you have to be funny for five, ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's given the idea that they're, it's given people, some people the idea that they're good at stand up. It's a different skill. Right. Yeah. But like I've seen, I've been on roast battle heavy shows in terms of the lineups and it ain't pretty sometimes. Well, you know what though? I don't think when you're talking about just straight stand up, I think that style of stand-up, the setup punch, is just seems a, a bit dated for a stand-up show. Right. But for roast battle, it's a it's that's a completely separate skill. Oh yeah, it has to be Josh Wolf. You look like yes. uh, you know Dane Cook took a shit out of this guy's ass. I I did my I did one roast. I've done one roast, and I put together the roast for David Ortiz for Big Poppy. And Tiana came and did it with me. Tiana did a joke that was, I mean, what was the name of the pitcher for the Marlins who died in the boating accident? Somebody Fernandez. Uh, yeah, I don't know his first name. but This was not long after the guy had passed. In front of David Ortiz, in all these baseball, she did a whatever, Roberta, somebody Fernandez. The a, a joke about the did the boat that David came over on just lucky it wasn't like that boat that what I was just like the balls on her oh I just mean to throw down but she was funny and and uh, Adam Ray did it in character he did it as an old he he had a makeup lady come and make him look like an old man and he wore a Yankee uniform and he went on stage as an old Yankee fan and just fucking tore into him. Dustin Pedroia, who would play the Red Sox, was on stage next to me and goes, who the fuck is this old fuck? I go, that's a 35-year-old comic. He's just got makeup on. He was like, no way. He was crushing. But it was the first time I had ever done a roast, and I just don't know how you guys do it. Well, it's like, uh, I mean, I battled two girlfriends, and we both broke up a month later. Uh, you know, you have to leave your soul for a second. Like, I'm sure, I know Tiana loves me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for those 10 minutes, she didn't. And she I was trying in. to think of the nastiest things about her. I, I think the one that almost got me back in the fucking, uh, you know, battle was uh, Sarah's pussy is uh, like a public pool. 
starts off great then you get a rash and at the end of the night black guys ruin it for everybody (laughs) 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 and sarah silverman was like belly laughing i'm like fuck i mean i know it's a long shot that's a good one daddy's back that's a good one but i just ran out of time what's your best rebuttal um my best rebuttal was uh my ex at the riot festival she had a really funny joke about uh, Earl's a very funny comic, but he rarely kills except when he cracks a walnut on his forehead. <laughs> and it's just so like, fuck, how do I rebut that? What do I do? I got to talk about her breath. I'm like, uh, I won't mention her name because she gets upset, but um, so-and-so's uh, breath is so bad that it smells like she brushes her teeth with her pussy and just the room blew up. That's a gr- Wait, that was a rebuttal? That was a rebuttal. You didn't have that? That was going to be my closing joke, but her joke killed so good. I was like, fuck, I got to go to that joke right now. Um, And then I switched up. And this shows you the wackiness of Roast Battle. And so it'll be interesting next season how some of these jokes go over. So then I had to close with a rape joke because unfortunately she was sexually assaulted. And I had asked her before, I'm like, you know, same thing with jesse joyce is is there anything that's not on the table and and she's a killer like she's like no i'm gonna joke about you so good luck (laughs) and uh so i had this three-tiered rape joke uh, a three-tiered rape joke i mean it was really like a six-layer bean yeah it's my stairway to heaven it's like okay if the first part gets a laugh i'll do the second part second part so the first part was uh so-and-so uh, was raped, and there's nothing funny about that. Uh, I'm not saying she's lonely, but she asked the guy when he was done, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> Pretty big laugh. Yeah. Put it this way, big enough laugh for me to do the second yeah. part. And I'm like, uh, you know, and this is right around the time of the CNN documentary, Blackfish. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was she was raped by a black guy. Uh, it was a clear case of black on blackfish crime. <laughs> and it got pretty, yeah, and then and you came and in for the came the, in for the hammer and like uh, you know, rape is obviously not a funny subject and it shouldn't happen to any girl. However, so and so didn't mind because it was in the guy's ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. But that might have been an Earl original with a little bit of help from Ryan O'Neill, who's a very, very, very funny comic, uh, which is one of the things I miss about Roast Battle is it's a very, I don't know how it was like with the panelists from Chelsea. It was like, like, did you guys ever be like, hey, let's set Josh up for a laugh on this subject? So it was pretty much you're on your own. Well, except... Now, me, I know some people did, but I never thought of it as a competition. Right. So I guess you're on your own, but, you know, to me, that panel, different than Rose Battle, that panel worked the best when it looked, when people weren't actually doing jokes, when they were just talking. Right. It seemed like you were just on TV watching three friends sit in your living room and talk. So if it's like you, Ryan Stout, and uh, Natasha. Yes. It's, it's was it's not necessarily let's make Natasha look good. Never did we set up somebody else. To look good. Never, ever, ever. Now, we played jokes on people on the panel. We made them look bad, but not through their jokes. Like I would, um, Heather McDonald loved Tory Burch dresses. So we pretended like 
Tori Burch had sent her a dress and gifted it to her. And she was wearing it on the, on the show. And Chelsea goes, it was me. She was in the middle. It was me on one side and Brad Wallach on the other yeah. side. And um, she goes, oh, Heather, what do you got there? Is that a new dress? She goes, it is. Tori Burch sent it to me. She goes, why don't you tell everybody? Look right in the camera. And she goes, well, this is Tori and did the whole thing. And Heather, that was, you know, to get a free dress from Tori Burch. She was just on cloud nine. And Chelsea cut back and goes, well, uh, I just, just wanted to let you see what happened to, now we had bought the dress for her. I just wanted you to see what happened to the dress before you put it on. And I used to, my practical joke on that show was that if you owned something and you liked it, there's a good chance I was going to rub my nuts on it, put it on camera and show you. So it was just me with her dress, just rubbing it just all over my nuts, just in there in the crevices and cut back to Heather. And she's like, that is so gross. And Chelsea goes, wait, we're not done. Cut back. And Brad was flossing his ass with it. We didn't wash it. We didn't. You could see her start to. Chelsea was like, "How you still? How you feel about the dress now? How you feeling?" She was so fucking mad, man. But those are the kind of things that we would do. But we never like because we never planned. I never knew what anyone else was going to say. Right. I. I I don't think that ever happened because I don't think Chelsea would. When you sat down for an interview with Chelsea, I remember Kevin Pollack sat down. And Kevin is a really funny, but he's kind of an old school dude. So he had planned stories like Carson or Leno or Or, um, Byron Allen. Right. Hey, Josh, I hear you like hockey. Exactly. She would not let you get into those planned stories. So on the panel, if you tried to plan something, she was not having that at all. I remember one show, Bobby Lee said two jokes in a row that didn't work. And she was like, Bobby, get under the table. He was like, what? She goes, you have to do the rest of the show from under the, under the table. And he fucking got under the table. And every now and then you just hear him say a joke, but you couldn't see him. <laughs> yeah, that was good shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Ross and Brian Moses are very good at uh, setting the table. But they set it up for you to succeed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, you know, I wasn't really that pleased with the intro. The first, you know, there's tons of writers, you know, helping everyone mm-hmm. when it gets to Montreal. And my intro, uh, you know, wasn't didn't exactly set me up. Hey, this guy's rich and racist. Give it up for Earl. Yeah, probably not great. Uh, like, uh, you just got half the country hating me and yep. probably the other half loving me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, of course, the battlers aren't trying to set you up uh, for success. It's like, how do I tear them down? Yeah. But me and Tiana had a rule, win or lose, we get to make out at the end. And how'd it so, go? Oh, it was great. Like, it was like, I hired her on my staff on the Josh Wolf show. And I was just stunned by the amount of killers she pumped out. Oh, yeah. She's just... Uh, killers! She just pumped them out. Killers, killers, killers. But also, most of the people who were that good at writing aren't that great at performing and she's like yeah well she's so likable you know which is so at least in the roast battle world it's really hard to uh you know battle someone who's likable because you 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 know that's why people have a hard time against me it's like everyone loves me because you're because your care your characters 
just buffoonery. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, I could do a three leveled rape joke against a girl I was dating at the time and I come off like the good guy. It's kind of crazy. You know, but that's the key to roast battle is being likable. You, you know, you could say the wor worst things on earth and as long as you're cool about it, uh, you know, but there's so many different, if it's like me and you battling, we could go at it. Mm -hmm. I'd call you a fag. You'd call me this. You'd call me, you know, I look like I have AIDS, uh, you know, but a girl and guy, it's like. There's a bully factor, right? Well, yeah. And even though everyone knows, okay, well, Sarah signed up for this show or Earl signed up for it or whoever, you know, I lost, I've only lost to females. You know, I lost, I've only lost twice, once to Sarah and once to Whitney Rice, who's this beautiful comic. She funny. Very funny. She doesn't do, she's more of an actress now, but for a comic who never, uh, only had a couple years in her, she was very, very funny and great crowd work for someone who really was a, a green comic. Is she, was she, I, I, I've never even heard. She's on that Amazon show with Chelsea, not Chelsea, uh, Kelsey Grammer. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really known. She's got a great online presence. Her, she makes, youtube videos like three or four a week and they're all good like they're all edited she does she's a one woman show um but when we battled she was in a one piece tight i yeah. mean a 10 body i mean she looks like julia roberts but younger and i'm up there talking about you know her nose she said something well earl takes viagra when we have sex it's a pretty funny joke and I'm like, well, uh, maybe I wouldn't have to if your uh, tits would be as big as your fucking nose. <laughs> and just, I went in too deep. <laughs> What's the best joke someone has said about you? Um, let me see. One uh, where you were like, oh, fuck, that is good. Um, I mean, there's been a lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, um, any, any, but for me, the best jokes are the ones that are unexpected where you're like, Oh, I didn't even, that is an angle. I was not it, even, well, like I, yeah, for me, cause like my thing is rebuttals. So like when Tiana hit me with the hard drive joke, I just, I stopped, I just, fuck, what do I say? What do I say? And I, I think I, I had an okay rebuttal of, well, Sarah has a great headshot. You know, she loves it when the dick bounces off her forehead and <laughs> it, just, it was all right. Yeah. It wasn't great. Uh, I mean, K. Trevor Wilson had some really funny jokes about me. Uh, Mike Lawrence, we did a Facebook Live roast. Uh, so it was kind of hard. That was probably the scariest roast I've ever done. Why? Um, after Roast Battle, Comedy Central was like, well, do you want to go to New York to do the Rob Lowe roast recap with Mike Lawrence? And I'm like, well, I don't really know him, but I'm not at the point where I can turn down things. Right. So, yeah. And then when I got there, they're like, hey, you, you guys are going to do a roast battle at the end. And I'm like, well, is there a crowd? No. It's going to be three camera guys and a boom guy. Oh, and no Mike's, laughs. Yeah, no laughs. So it's like, you know, and Mike's a very hardcore judge. Like when he judges roast battle, it's like he gets intense. I'm like, fuck, man. So I would just look at him. And if he laughed at my joke, I thought, okay, it's a good joke. And so, it, you know, it's hard to say who won because there was no judges. But uh you know, I, I mean, everyone's had a good joke against me because I, I don't have a lot of targets, but the ones I have are big. Yeah. You know, the Kennedy thing, there's a lot of funny jokes that can be told there. Um, the the dating, the, the younger girl, uh, it, you know, it's a big target, especially in today's climate of Me Too and, you know, uh, 
all the creepy crawlers uh, out there. But you know, it was, we were actually dating. We, you know, it's not like I fucked her in the creepy crawlers. Back. Well, I mean, it's so it's going to be interesting to me next season to see how some of these jokes go. Yeah, uh, you know, because I think from what I understand, and I could be completely wrong, but just the roast battle rumor mill is that they want people who know each other. So there's going to be some inside jokes. Well, you fucked this person while we were dating. You know, it's like, well, how's that going to play? Well, the know each other, I will tell you, to me, is the secret to a good pan. Oh, 100%. The the reason Chelsea worked is because she consistently put people on the panel who knew each other. And there was never like three people who didn't know. That rarely happened because you want that shorthand. So I bet you it'll work a little better. Well, I wish they would have done it. Like, uh, who, if you could roast anybody, who would you roast? I mean, in terms of a celebrity for the wrestling freak show, I would want The Rock because he seems like he has a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. and he would get what I'm doing. Like, I'm sure he knew Rick Rude. Uh, so, but in terms of people, like you know, uh, I mean, you would be great. Because we know each other. We mm-hmm. love each other. Nothing would be taken personally. Nothing. Um, I don't I, even... I, but I don't even know where to... I wouldn't know... Oh, you'd get the motivation. <laughs> because you don't want to be humiliated, right? Yeah, I mean, like... That's, that's the, the motivation is, oh, fuck. If yeah. I don't come up with something good, I am going to be humiliated. And, like, for me on this show, I'm, at a, I'm in a weird place because I'm... For the most part, the most popular roaster, like in terms of online, mm-hmm. wins this person battling or bring this person back. It's all me. But people would love to see me burn. Like that one joke against Jimmy Carr that burned. I could feel LA Comics love. What if I went on? Because, you know, I do a podcast with Freddie Prince Jr. What's it called? Prince and the Wolf. And um, he's a huge, you know, he's a huge wrestling fan. He used to write for WWE. I didn't, I don't know a lot about him. Freddie is a Every week on my podcast, he talks WWE. Every week. He loves wrestling. You should have brought him. Dude, I am telling you. Would have talked about She's All That. We did, yeah. Which is funny. Our last podcast, we did about 20 minutes on Ronda Rousey and what just happened and that whole thing, how she get DQ'd and all that stuff. I mean. And then we did a little bit on She's All That because uh, I, I just had a bunch of questions. But um, what was I saying? About the podcast. Freddie Prinze talks wrestling. Uh, you lose your train of thought. Roast battle. It's all right. I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll find it. Well, we're talking about you and me roast battling. And then uh, I think you were setting it up for maybe Freddie Prince Jr. would be a good roast battle. I don't remember what I was going to say. But if it comes back to me. But he would be a good like. He's, by the way, he's super funny. Um, but, but he, uh, no, I don't remember what I was going to say. Like, if I was battling him, I would go like, okay, she's all that. 24, he was on 24, which His is one dad. of my favorite show. Oh, my. I mean, you know, it would if it was just in the belly room and, you know, Jeff or Moses said, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to battle Freddie Prince? You know, I probably wouldn't go on his dad. But, but if you asked him, is there anything off limits, he would tell you that. And then I, I would respect that. He would tell you that. He would tell you that. Because, you know, at the end, you know, in the bet, well, it's, you know, on TV, it's not so much fun. It's very stressful. Yes. Uh, belly room, it's more, let's just put on a good show. Uh, I, oh, oh, here's what I was going to say. So we do, I started a wrestling persona on 
my show called on Prince of the Wolf called The Producer. And and uh Freddie's Alexander Slamilton. And he bought this white wig. And he's like the four for the one of the forefathers of wrestling. And he does the whole accent. Oh, it's so good. And he has the fucking flute music when he walks on and does this. And my guy wears this like purple velvet jacket and I slick back my hair and I basically talk like McConaughey right. the whole time. Um, and you know, fade to black is basically I, I end everything. I'm like, cause I read it like a script. Right. Fade in. Right. And everything else is like, don't make me fade, make you fade to black. But I, if I was going up against you, I might out persona you. I think that the idea would be. It's possible. Not, I, I don't think I could beat the out persona, but I, w- I would, that's what, what I would try to do. I would be like, okay, you're going to be this guy. I'm going to try to take a little of your shine away. But my advice would be to do the opposite, which is why like me and Jimmy Carr worked so well. Cause I'm up there. And yes, the pants cost two thousand dollars. Let's make no mistake about that. Oh, I wouldn't. Ha- I wouldn't have a two thousand. But do your pants cost two thousand dollars? Th- those ones did. Do, do, I know those fucking. Those these do not. These are. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I do get my custom-made uh, pants now by the great Brooke Worrell. Uh, you can find her on Instagram. Uh, she makes Duff McKagan and slashes pants. I, I got so many questions. So I'm a fashion guy. She custom made he. I have a pair of pants. I saw on Instagram a very, very cool picture. And I want to get the name of her Instagram correct. And see, this is how I wish comics were. I, I get nothing out of pumping her Instagram, yeah. but I love her. So I'm going to do it. Um, I saw a picture of Duff McKagan Mm -hmm. in these really cool pants. Uh, They're leather, but they have like a little leather stripe coming down the side, and then they flare off into buttons. Somewhat bell bottoms, but not really. Um, And the great Frankie Sidoris, who is the rhythm guitar player in Slash's band. I'm not name dropping, but it is how I, I said, you must know Duff. You're playing Slash's band. Can you ask who made those pants? And he put me in touch with Brooke. And it is all hell Brooke loose. So if, and now these aren't cheap guys. You bought, you had them made specifically for roast battle. So I uh, contacted her and uh, she made me the, I think she said, well, I don't want to make you the exact pair that I made for Duff, but they'll be pretty similar. And what I, happens if you gain five pounds? Well, I could take hot yoga again. Do you get in shape for roast battle? Oh, yeah, I do. You do, because you're shirtless, and Jeremiah oils you down? And the best compliment ever was Joe Rogan looked at me and goes, Earl, you have the most fantastic body I've ever seen on a man. <laughs> now he was probably kidding yeah because he sees like alistair over yeah. like george st pierre yeah. but uh i am not good enough of a writer roast roasting wise to just sit there in a t-shirt and uh jeans and go okay josh you look like so my advice to you if you were battling me is uh, dumb down the outfit so you're the complete opposite of me Oh, yeah. So I stand out a little more. Well, I, I think the best roast battles uh, are when you have opposites. Like, you know, I would have loved to have roasted Ralphie May. And, you Me know, too. Now, we we all... Love. R- Ralphie was just like... 
the best. Uh, Such a generous, sweet dude. I mean, I'd be another two hours if yeah. we were to really talk about him. Uh, but I think that would have been a fun matchup because here you have me, this for a comic anyway, in shape dude mm -hmm. against Ralphie. Like, who, you know. Wasn't. He was in shape, but. He was a shape. Uh, yeah, of Not a refrigerator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but that would have been fun because he's obviously a great comic. Uh, I don't know if he was really meant for roast battle. He wasn't. I heard Sertiana say something to him, dude, at one of my comedy shows. Ralphie was talking at the bar a little too loud at Zany's in Nashville. And she, he was like, Sertiana, just do your act. Sertiana, everybody, she's super funny. Isn't she funny to see Sertiana? And Sarah goes, Ralphie May, everybody. I don't know if you guys know this, but Ralphie has started taking yoga. And everyone was clapping. And she goes, yeah, so, so he can finally kiss his feet goodbye. And I was like, wow, right. <laughs> I knew she wasn't setting him up for a compliment, but it was a great diabetes oh, she, joke. She's a killer. Uh, but like, even me and her was a good matchup because she's like the Southern Belle, great smile. I'm out there. I think in that matchup, I was just in my underwear. I had a Canadian, no. Tony Hinchcliffe. I said, dude, you got to get me something. Get me anything with the Canadian flag on it. Anything. Speedos. And Tony came through big time. He found the perfect pair of tight underwear with the maple leaf right on the balls. Uh, were you uh, trimmed up? No. I, I, why, it was a last minute decision. A lot of my decisions with Roast Battle are very spur of the moment. Did you trim it up before you walked out there? No. I did for Naked Roast, but that's another, that's a non-affiliated what was Naked Roast? Uh, they do it at Skankfest. Uh, it's called Naked Roast Battle. I think it's done with Moses and Jeff's blessing. Yeah. But it's not. I don't think Comedy Central signed <laughs> off on this. Wait. Uh, spin. It's a spinoff. Your butt ass naked? The contestants are naked and the judges are naked. The crowd is not. So dick out. Oh, yeah. I And, you know, I... I have a fairly big hammer, so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Just yeah, that feels good. You know, it's big enough. It's big enough to leave a smile on your face. But here's the deal, though, also, because then, you know, there's some obvious jokes. Well, I'm a judge in that, so, uh, you know, it's very dangerous to come at the judge, uh, you know, especially, you know, I, I by far and away had the best body on this show. So, wait a it was, second. It was me, Ari Shafir, and Bronston Jones. So you had to look at Ari's balls. Oh, boy, did you hear what he did? Like, it was a great, me and Ari were a great. Who were the contestants? All men? Uh, mostly, uh, no, there's uh, uh, three women. Uh, they went no bra, no panties? Oh, dude. I am not, you know, this is like trying to explain what the Empire State Building looks like to a blind person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can adequately explain to you what I saw, but one girl was on her period. And I saw something hanging out. I'm like, all right, dude, what the fuck is that? That's the string. Yeah. And she pulled it out. No. Oh, so nasty. No. So, so nasty. What was the joke? There was no joke. She's like, yeah, I'm on my period. No. <laughs> no. Oh, it gets worse. She hit him with it? No. And then another girl was like, well, I didn't forget my jokes i brought them with me and we're all like what are you talking about so she starts digging into her pussy and she pulls out a plastic bag with her jokes in the bag and i'm like you make this close you got my vote oh and then she started bombing she keistered it yeah she went straight prison style oh my god it was and then uh lindsey jennings who's a suicide girl 
she she's completely naked and you know showing her pussy and like it was and the guys were disgusting like <laughs> one guy had the smallest dick i've ever seen on a man it looked literally like a looked like a turtle trying to get out of a fur coat because he didn't trim so he had like this huge like artist gilmore style bush uh, with like a turtle head and like dude you gotta like you gotta trim it up to make it look bigger i know you get like yeah you gotta trim it up to make it look bigger anything like you can't have it hiding in the bushes it looks like a chia pet down oh, there no. um so that was naked roast battle so that's i think coming up and did people do when they do naked roast battle did people do rebuttals about the, oh, yeah. other people's bodies oh of course you know there was fat people there there was did someone make fun of that dude's tiny penis oh yeah i forget the jokes because i was so horrified uh but the host is uh, this New York comic, Zach Amico, and he's into wrestling. He's, he, but he's more into ECW and Japan and the, the more violent aspects of it. Japan is a little more violent. Those. Oh, wrestling. yeah. They have like flaming barbed wire as the ropes. Dude, do uh, you know a wrestler named Tony Storm? I know the name. I don't know. You should follow her on Instagram. I fucking love she's she, japan girl she yeah it's her style but she oh dude i have a t hard time watching the graphic shit uh but she it looks like you're watching somebody but she has a very 80s hair band feel to her i'll show you her instagram when we get done oh yeah i mean uh because i used to go to the so zach because I, I can't leave out zach right, yeah so he comes to the uh you know, they gave all of us really nice intros. Uh, and then Zach comes through the crowd and he's got a, a lantern like Bray Wyatt. And he's got it attached to his dick. Oh, no. And he gets on stage, he faces the crowd and he drops the lantern. It's <laughs> just like pulls on his dick. Oh, but that's man. not even close to the weirdest thing. All right, what was the weirdest? So he starts stapling money to his body. He's bleeding a little bit, not nothing too bad. And then he takes out a razor blade. What and, the? F and he cuts his forehead. You know, he blades his forehead. Right. And he's he, doing wrestling stuff. Yeah. So there's, but there's like 300 people in this, you know, Brooklyn loft. The energy was amazing. Uh, and he must have did it too hard. So he just starts gushing blood. It's, it's so bloody after a minute, you can't see his dick. Like it's just blood gushing out. And so I start looking in the corner of the room because I was just getting sick. And I start smelling urine. And I thought Bronston, who I think had mistimed his ecstasy batch, that, oh, he's he's pissing himself. And I'm like, the smell's not coming from Bronston. It's coming over my right shoulder where Ari's sitting. So I look over, and Ari Shafir <laughs> is filling up a Bud Light plastic beer cup. It's probably 12 ounces, full of urine. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? He stands up, faces Zach, who's probably got seven or eight open wounds on his body, and throws the urine. No! That's crazy, bro. I'm not doing this justice. But wait, Zach, wait, wait, wait. Zach, Zach had no idea. He had no idea it was coming? Well, he was, I think, a little bit in shock because he was bleeding profusely. I mean, he looked... <laughs> Yeah, and then he had urine thrown on him. Well, he looked like Abdullah the Butcher. Like, you know when Abdullah yeah. the Butcher would... By the way, I got to show you my... my uh, doing comedy 20 years, I haven't accomplished much. Uh, 
when a fan sent me an Abdullah the Butcher doll, I felt like I'd made it. It's awesome. Uh, but he, Zach looked like Abdullah. Just blood everywhere. And Wait, it, it wasn't planned for Ari to throw no. you on him? No. And Ari just got up, and he waited the perfect time for Zach to be yawning. So some of it got into his mouth. And Zach was, I think, in shock still. And then Ari just unloads this piss on him, and the crowd went, like, I've been to Kiss concerts this was like kiss coming out of the Spanx on the hot in the shade tour. It was just an ovation. I'll never forget in my life. But if someone, someone throws urine on me, I think I'm going to be a little upset. I mean, I think cause it's Ari and he's such a legend in New York, yeah. uh, you know, and, and skank fest is a great uh, comedy festival for the grittier comics. Like it's, it's basically a, I wouldn't say it's a podcast festival, but it's, um, you know, like uh, it's podcast fans yeah. who love stand up. Uh, so Ari's just like a god with those people. So he could have taken a shit on the stage and would have got. He might have, would have. I'm surprised that didn't happen. And Zach is very uh, uh, ingrained in the roast battle world in New York. I'm not sure if it, I think I think it's called Roast Masters in New yeah. York. Was, you know, it's the whole thing. Uh, so he's very popular, and and uh, you know, it's that Jay Okerson. Is, oh yeah. Uh, you know, he was there uh, in the but front that's row. His, that's his... Yeah, him and Luis Gomez. Yeah. And uh, I think there's one other... I think Jay's girlfriend or wife. Uh, that's their... Christine. That's their festival, right? Yeah, it's yeah. basically a fuck you to Montreal, I think. It's like, okay, there's not going to be any industry here. This is for the comics who probably wouldn't even be considered for Montreal. You know, outside of, say, Ari yeah. uh, and Jay. But, you know, this is, this is a podcast uh, comedy festival for... Like, you know, the Kyle Canaan's and the, you know, the, it's a very Stanhope type vibe. Yeah. You know, man. like we're in the favorites. Creek in the Cave. It's a, which is where most of the uh, festival takes place. It's a dirty, smelly Long Island club. Uh, you know, the Naked Roast was in a, um, like a loft in Brooklyn. I can't believe he threw your. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've done, I mean, we've done thousands of shows. Yeah. If you include open mics and all that shit, easy. Uh, I can't even calculate. Uh, I've never even come close to seeing what I saw that. How night. about that? I've just also never even thought. You know what I'm on. You know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna fill up this cup with some urine and I'm gonna throw it on him. Well, like, that would have never crossed my brain. Well, the first couple battles were kind of funny. You know, we got our feet wet. You know, they they were good battles, and then. Uh, you know, I don't want to say it's the novelty of the nakedness wore off because uh, the crowd was hot for the whole show. I think Ari, I, you know, I remember looking over him at several points and you could see like he had a blank look looking up at the ceiling. Go, what can I do? I mean, looking back now, I go, yeah. OK, that's what he was thinking. How can I make this? He should have just thrown a little semen in there, too. Who knows? Let me ask you something. What's worse? Someone throw, spitting in your face, f dumping urine on you, or throwing semen at you? Well, uh, I think spitting in the weird way is the most disrespectful. A hundred percent. You had told me a story earlier about somebody spitting in someone's face, and I was thinking to myself, how does that not end in a fight? Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I guess semen's, I, I, I'd be pretty ballistic if someone did that to me, but... Uh, but for, I think spitting is, uh, it's so, um, oh, it's so disrespectful. 
I mean, I guess I, I don't see someone ever throwing semen on me. I don't see anyone Again. throwing... Yeah. Tell me about <laughs> Or shit. I mean, those yeah. are pretty unlikely scenarios, but spitting is... I've, I've been in hockey games where someone spit at the other person. It was like all hell broke loose. Do, do people fight in your league? Yeah, because it's a fairly competitive league. Uh, you know, it, it's we have NHL players playing the summer to keep in shape. No shit. Yeah, like Mitch Callahan, who's uh, he was a Detroit Red Wings prospect. Now he's with Edmonton. Uh, you know, guys try and test him out there, and it's like, are you guys crazy? Yeah, this dude is a prof- this guy it's- is a pro hockey player when people think that they can do what professional athlete there is a there's the guy who played in high school i played college baseball dude i'm gonna tell you something right now 0.0 percent chance that i get a hit against any major league it's just a different it's uh, a different level it's like i mean that pepsi commercial looking back on i mean i was an average skater these guys were all minor league pros. I can't imagine what NHL skaters are like. They just go in circles around you. Um, dude. Yeah, I, we, this has been a long podcast. It, it's, wow, it's four, is this a two hour podcast? Oh, yeah, I got I got Josh has to go because he's working. And this is where I, I, I could go another hour with you. I, you know what? The comedy store just gave me three spots this week. There, see, it's all things. Just give me three spots. I don't check the schedule. I no, like. They just. I don't either. They it just. I just wait for the text. See, there you go. Feeling good, buddy. Well, I mean, uh, it's not just Adam. You know, even the great Jay Davis at the Laugh Factory. I love Jay, dude. You know, Jay's cool. I, I don't. Uh, he's such a nice guy. He's a little over the top for me. <laughs> he's 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 a nice, but he's always been that nice. So to me. For it, it would be one thing if he waned a little bit, but I, I felt that way. But like, he's been that for so long. I'm like, that has just got to be who he is. Well, right? I, I'm a big. Uh, if you say call me and I call you, call me back. I can't tell you how many times he used to see me. Hey, call me, dude. I don't care about doing your clubs because mm-hmm. the parlor and and I mean certainly Dublin's was a great club, but I'm not. They weren't my crowds. The Affliction, Ed Hardy, you know, Sunset Tan. Dude, I ate shit at Dublin's. So I never, I was like, dude, just don't call me back. And then he'd see me and go, dude, call me. I'm like, dude, come on. I, I don't like, uh, but he's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, and, but, and Paige at the Improv. And the, by the way, you LA Comics, don't be texting these people now. We all know who the bookers are. The Improv is the one club. That you, and I and I told them to stop sending me avails because I would send them in and just never hear anything. And I was like, you know what? The, I'm just gonna have them stop because I, I I can't help it but to look at the lineup and be like, so I can't bust in an entire week on this lineup. I, I was like, just stop sending me avails. Well, that goes back to uh, what we said three hours ago. Uh, that I used to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I just don't worry about stuff I have no control over. Uh, but that me, me neither. So I don't think about the improv anymore. But I di- it was one of those things where like that's a little thing that if every week it doesn't happen, 
it'll take a tiny little dig at me. Oh, and, it, yeah. and is it worth it for me to do that? It wasn't. I'm get, I'm on the road enough. I between the Laugh Factory, they're really good to me, and the stores good to me. It was something I didn't really need. Well, it's the same thing. Uh, I think you're right. As you get older, you're just like, you know, it's like people used to ask me, "You're gonna be on roast battle next season?" Like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. You know, depends who they want to put me up against. Right. You know, I mean, I would think logic would so you dictate that up, yes, I will be put me up against certain people, but you know, I'm not a TV executive. Right. You know, when uh, the cartoon was, uh, you know, up in the air, is it coming back? I don't know. I want it to come back. Yeah. Because it's the thing I'm actually the most proud of. Because I'm in it a lot. Like I could say, watch the jellies. You will hear my voice every week. Uh, you know, Showtime. It's like don't blink forty minutes in. Yeah, and you're gonna have to rewind it several times. And yes, that is me. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, that no. Yes, that is. Um, me. And roast battle. I'm proud of just you know you're up there. It's you against you know. It's. I'm gonna come watch you the next time you do a roast battle. You know, I'm not. Uh, you're not doing it all anymore. No. But you know, I never say never. They were. They don't even have you down at the store at the. No. I left uh, just because after. Um, um, but I can tell, dude, just by the way you talk about it, you love it. Well, it's done everything for me. So it's it's like a girlfriend that's cheated on me. But I. But can't I, you. I want to go back, but I, I don't like being disrespected. But can't you go back without any kind of. And by the way, I totally get that. And it. Uh, and I totally, if you were like, no, nah, man, it, 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 I, I put so much into it that there's no way to go back. But if you went back and you're like, look, I'm not going to have any say so. I don't want, I just want to get up once a month and roast people and walk out. Well, it, it'd be hard because. Uh, Did you light a flamethrower to that motherfucker? Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I think my, the best thing, 20 years in, I think the number one thing I've done right, maybe the only thing I've done right, is I don't burn bridges. When I left the show, I just, I just, uh, you know, uh, it's a couple of reasons why I left some personal, some just like, why is this person getting taken care of over me? Right. I helped build the show. You know, it goes back to the Mike Lawrence thing. Yes. And, and I don't have a problem with Mike, which is why I'm naming names. Uh, he's great. Yeah. But it's like, well, why is two of his first three matches layups and I'm getting a murderer's row? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's a couple things that could have been done differently that you would have, you know, like, uh, Hey, Earl, we're going to bring you back for season two. We made you run the gauntlet in season one. This is our way of saying thank you. Yeah. Okay, cool. I don't need a lot, but you, why not still do it at the store? Because I have a hard time. Um, you know, uh, you know, I want to be, um, and this is where you almost get into semantics. Well, Earl, you're on a cartoon. That's the payment. Yeah. Well, Earl, you're a small part of it, but you're on the Showtime show. That's the payment. And to a degree it is, but it, it's also like with the cartoon, I was just lucky that that one night Tyler, the creator, was there. Right. Uh, it's not like someone from of authority on the show said, you know, Earl's doing a great job. Let's put him on this cartoon. No, but... You know, Chelsea lately paid, I think, the highest we ever get paid 
for an appearance on that show was $402. But it started out at like $329 for years. And we weren't making, people thought they're millionaires. I was on, dude, I was on, I had to be on 200 episodes. He's got to be a gazillionaire, 300 bucks an episode. But without that, there's no where I am now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, you know what I mean? Oh, it's tough. I, uh, because every, where I go and people know you from it and they love you from it. Right. And if, if, if your character made a comeback, I think it would be huge if done correctly. You could even give it a a WWE storyline. Oh, I will. Oh, I know. (laughs) You write that up. Come on. It's also like, this is my first look into the world of politics on a television show. Like to me, it's a simple show and maybe I'm being naive. But it's like, okay, Earl knows this person. They had this relationship, best friends, ex, whatever. Put them together. Uh, you know, I still... Are you th- trying to make sense of executives? Yes. That's never going to happen. But, oh, no, you're right. But that's like, I'm a... I don't necessarily need the fame or money. I certainly want it. Yep. Uh, so maybe I'm in a better position to, than to say, this is not... If I'm not going to get this, then I'm not going to do the show. And they can do the show without me. By the way, season two cured my insomnia. But listen, dude, I'm not even talking about the show. The comedy store. You know the people that go in there. Oh, I love it. But but you know the people in the audience watching. Tyler Creator is a great is a great uh, example. I know a ton of people who, who have gotten TV roles just from people in the audience. So I'm not even saying the TV show... But why not go to the store, do something that you love, because you never know who's coming down to that Oh, show. I know. It's even like the other night when I had a spot uh, in the OR at, uh, at 1230. So it was right around when Roast Battle was um, coming out. And Jason Reitman comes up to me. And Jason's like, like it's like a spiritual leader to me. Because uh, w- we had similar uh, upbringings. Like, he, he never had to work a day in his life if he chose to. Really? Well, his dad's Ivan Reitman, like, oh. you know, uh, stripes, meatballs, yeah, yeah, uh, Animal House. Uh, He's doing all right, but like he said, no, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work my ass off and make my own great films. Uh, and you know, I had a came from a mi- upper middle class background where I I don't have to slave away at open mics for ten years, uh, but I did, mm-hmm. and so I look up to him a lot. And like the other night, he just walked by me and said, "We miss you up there, man." It's like. Just come. That's what it's, I mean, but, dude. But there's a few people I don't like up there, and uh, you know, like for me now, anything I do in life has to be fun. I, I don't mean fucking that. around fun. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. This has been. I'm going to check the time, and this is a good way to exit to a degree. But this podcast has been. We are at the two hour and fifteen minute mark. Holy shit! Maybe even longer. It's gone over to the other sound card. That's how long we might be. This might be the longest episode ever. Two hour and 15 minutes. It might be even longer because it's we've literally jumped over to the new sound card. So we could be at two and a half hours right now. Well, it is. You, we started before two. Yeah, it's, it's 413, 415. Point is this podcast, every single second of this podcast has been fun. I wanted to do it. This is actually you came on last week. We talked for two and a half hours. We've talked combined for five and a half hours. 
the last two weeks. And I don't think we've repeated anything. No. And point being to this ultimate warrior like diatribe, getting a telemarketer call right now, so you're going to hear a third voice in the Can't room. wait. I loved it. Me too, I would have man. you back tomorrow. Let's do it. But with Roast Battle, there's a few people I don't like because it's given them a... You know, the comedy store is like a gang. You have to let the comedy store come to you. And some of these people walk around there like they own the place. And it's like, okay, this is Tuesday night. Come up here on Wednesday night and see if Josh Wolf cares who you are. Or uh, when Ryan Stout's up here, uh, you know, people who aren't necessarily Roast Battle affiliated... It's a whole world up here. Mm -hmm. You're good at one thing. You get your 15 minutes of fame, but you're not going to be passed up here through roast battle. So relax. So I got into that Rick Rude thing. I liked it. When he came into Nitro that first time, it's, dude, it's the best speech ever because he's clearly bitter like I am. And he's like, you know, we all have our 15 minutes of fame. And I'd like to take a few of my 15 minutes to explain the rights and the wrongs of this business. And he laid it out. Oh. Sting, first chapter, second verse, going to be a whole lot worse. He's not the best rapper, but <laughs> rest in peace. He could have used a little work on yeah, his rhyming. Yeah. Where can people find, I know you did it for Facebook Live. At Josh Wolf Comedy uh, for social media. I have a podcast called Prince and the Wolf for Freddie Prince Jr. We talk a lot of wrestling. We talk MMA. Um, we're both fathers. We do some parenting stuff. He's got some great stories, obviously, you know, through his career. And he's married to Sarah Michelle Geller. So there's a lot of good stuff. And then also, guys, I do a talk show on Facebook Live on Tuesdays on my Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com forward slash Josh Wolf comedy. It's like a, an adult peewee's playhouse. It's weird. It's fun. It's all just ridiculous. And all the big fun comics that, you know, uh, here in town, they're all coming on the show. It's a good time. And you never know what's going to happen. We, I took out an ad on, on Craigslist. It said, do you want $50 and have a special skill? Come down to do my show. So we have weird fucking people spot drop in. It's a good time. It's free, everybody. Check it out. Control Chaos on my Facebook fan page. Become fans of Josh Wolf. He's, he's truly one of the good dudes. I only try to have good dudes. And I'm rating the Chelsea Lately panelists. The great Chris Frangiola. Great. You know, uh, who else have I had on that was a regular on Chelsea? Uh, someone, uh, you know, it's my my mind is fried. Uh, but uh, who fuck? I had another panelist on. Uh, is it, was he a comedy store comic? Ryan Stout. Has oh, been Ryan on. Stout, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm just rating Brody Stevens. Brody. Uh, with the great Brody Stevens. Uh, so uh, thank you, Chelsea Handler, for giving me a pipeline to my couch. Not quite as good as your couch, but I'm trying. Leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud, guys. Inappropriate Earl. Follow Josh Wolf. Next week, we've got a few special surprises. And, uh, you know, if you want to see me roast battle, you fat, lazy slobs, tweet to Comedy Central who you'd like to see me battle. But just make sure it's not a Comedy Central darling because I retire their employees, bitch. <laughs>